Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. From now on, where my love for you loose. From now on, I am just passing through. From now on, trust my feeling is true. From now on, call me Royal Blue. Hey, welcome to uh, Royals Review here. Um, I'm your co-host, Sean Newkirk. Alongside me, I have Mr. Uh, Matthew Lamar. Matthew. Hey, what's up? I think something happened today. Um, yeah, um, Foster Griffin pitched. It was pretty, pretty bad outing for him. <laughs> yeah, um, oh, that's, that's so, exactly it. Something else happened. But before we get too far, uh, Matt, who do we have here with us joining us? Uh, we have the uh, managing editor, uh, Max Reaper. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for pulling me off for the big, the big stories and not just the uh, random <laughs> Chesler Cuthbert promotion. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, uh, Unless you were living under the proverbial rock today, you missed um, Johnny Cueto being traded to the Royals. That's that's kind of cool, isn't it, guys? Yeah, it seems it seems really weird because uh, for Dayton Moore's entire tenure, which has been a long time, I mean, Dayton Moore uh, took control in the middle of the uh, 2006 season, right? So he took control before the iPhone was a thing, <laughs> um, and he's first of all, he's not been in a position to do this. Either way, really, he's not been in a position whether to sell or to buy, so it's nice to see him being in the position um, and then actually taking advantage of it. So that's really cool. Also, Cueto is good at the baseball thing, so yeah, that's doubly cool. Do you guys remember uh, what I was just, for some reason, it recalled memories from this. Do you remember how excited some of us got for that Jonathan Broxton trade to the Reds? How I was like, "Oh man, let me can't wait to see what they're going to give up." And then it was Johnny Joseph. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so nice cool. to finally be on the other side of one of these, and right. instead of like anticipating, look at the look at the great prospects we got back, kind of to you know have to deal with the pain of losing prospects, but also getting a great player in yeah. return. And you know, I I agree with the sentiment. It's just it's really it's really nice to see Dayton kind of go all in when the team is really good in a position where this will make a huge impact and get a player of this kind of caliber, one of yeah. the best pitchers, you know, in baseball really yeah. over the last couple of years. Cy Young uh, contender this year. Yeah, absolutely. And he was second in Cy Young balloting last year. So I mean to make no mistake, the Royals got a very, very good pitcher in Johnny Cueto. And yeah, they only have him for two months, but it's gonna be two of the most crucial months in this franchise's history. I, I guess three if you count October, which it seems like they're almost certainly gonna make. So uh, I think this is a huge deal, and I, and I think Dayton Moore should be applauded, which is you know, unusual to hear from Royals Review, but we're going to we're gonna give uh, Dayton Moore a standing ovation for this one, I think. We don't have any stats to back this up, all right, guys? So anybody who wants to jump down to our sabermetric throats, we don't have any – no fancy stats. It's just a good trade, you know, by quantitative and qualitative reasoning there. Um, uh, is this the best – assuming this works out, is this 
this seems like the biggest, best trade deadline of Dayton Moore's career, or as far as with the Royals, right? This is the biggest move we've he's ever had, correct? More than Justin Maxwell, you think? Yes, slightly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and, you know, kind of piggybacking on what Matthew said, like, it's, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, interesting people were thinking that Dayton was going to be very passive at the deadline because, you know, he hadn't been aggressive in the past, and like Matthew said, you know, we've never been in this situation before, and Dayton has shown he can be aggressive when he wants to be. I mean, he certainly was with the James Shields trade, and I think, you know, he's always said pitching is a currency in baseball, and I think he was ready to, to cash that in once he felt like the team was in a position where they could go out and win a championship. So I, it didn't surprise me at all that they were aggressive uh, this week in getting Cueto and, and, and that they were able to get the deal done. Yeah, I think um, I think one of the underrated things, now that we have another point, is that Dayton Moore has been pretty good at trading. Um, if you if you think of you know his major trades, um, he traded uh, Zach Greinke for Lorenzo Cain, who has um, been so much better than anybody could have ever thought, um, and might be in discussion for American League MVP. Um, and then Alcides Escobar, who has been you know a three win shortstop the last two years and has been you know really good defensively. Um, and then you look at the James Shields trade, and uh, James Shields helped them get to the World Series, and they still have Wade Davis, who's been uh, the cyborg. And then you look at this, and obviously this is yet to be written, but um, it for now just seems to be really, really good. So I think Dayton Moore's done you know, a good job with trades in general, obviously with a couple of duds, but you know, you, you're not general manager for eight, nine years and not have a dud of a trade or something. Sure. And last year, looking at the trade deadline... Uh, we traded away Danny Valencia and Jimmy Paredes, per- Paredes. Um, and I guess we got Jason Fraser. So this this deadline's already, you know, even with a couple of days left in it, it's still by far much better than the previous year's deadline. I mean, no surprise. Uh, what did you guys think of yesterday uh, when you're maybe just sitting there having a good Saturday night and you read that the Royals almost traded for Cueto, you know, out of, not necessarily out of nowhere, but kind of just came late on Saturday night. Were you guys paying attention, or did you just not hear about it until the next day? I was at the game, so I didn't hear anything about it. And then I got home to find out the Royals almost got Cueto, and it was it was very odd, um, very very weird. Well, I I, uh, I was doing the the game thread, and uh, I, I was kind of following on the game, and uh, I thought, well, you know what, the Royals have been attached to Cueto. I should probably at least kind of mock up an article that they have acquired him just to just to be ready if they ever do this week. And uh, I, I think I just kind of, you know, written a couple paragraphs when I saw on Twitter that they, they had almost gotten him that night. <laughs> I was like, well, I thought maybe I had mystical powers over uh, the Internet or something like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I was planning to go to bed early that night. And I, I kind of stayed up till about midnight following on Twitter what was going on. And there's there was, it seemed like there was some drama. I mean, I guess in Cincinnati they had two starting pitchers warm up, Cueto, who was scheduled to go that night, and then another pitcher, Lorenzen, uh, just in case Cueto got dealt, that's how close the deal almost got done yeah. uh, earlier in the evening. And then when Cueto found out uh, that he was about to get traded, he got pretty upset that no one had told him about it. So there's a little drama on the Cincinnati end of things. And then a little drama when the deal, I guess, reportedly got held up um, over uh, the medical reports over one of the Royals' prospects that was coming to Cincinnati. And I think Buster Olney was it that uh, reported that player was Sean Manaya. So I don't know kind of how, what to make of that if you know we knew Manaya has had some some minor injuries over the years um and he missed most of this year with an abdominal strain and a groin injury but uh you know that, that was kind of an interesting you know caveat that that held up the deal at least for one evening so 
Yeah, there was quite a bit of drama last night, and uh, it, it made for interesting Twitter. Yeah, and there were a couple rumors out there um, about maybe who it could have been that was the injury, the potential holdup on it there. Some thought Manaya. Um, someone also said Dozier. I saw that floating out there, too. Well, the Royals certainly have a lot of candidates when it comes to injured prospects. Right, and then Starling as the, the final one. You guys, do either one of any of those three, well, maybe two with Dozier and Starling, do those kind of um, sound concerning, kind of pop a red flag? Or what do we think about, you know, those two kind of didn't hear any injuries from him necessarily. Starling had his knee and then his hamstring, but Dozier's, I don't think he's been injured yet since he's played really there, other than I think he got hit by a pitch a couple years back. But those were kind of surprising, weren't they there? Yeah, I don't know if there's uh, much to draw from as far as uh, it got held up because of medicals. Um, first of all, medicals is a pretty um, yeah not non-specific word. It's very vague. So what you know? What does that mean, medicals? Um, because they didn't actually say, "Oh, we're concerned about Manaya's um, back or knee or his yeah. left nostril or whatever." They didn't. They didn't say anything about that. But also. You know, um, this is GM speak, which is akin to Dayton Moore going on the radio before the game today and saying, there's no truth to the rumors that we're trading for Johnny Cueto. And then three hours later, it trades for Johnny Cueto. So you never know. They might use medical reasons as just sort of an excuse to get a different right. um, different thing. And I don't, we'll, we'll never really know. It was It was just a circus because last night there was just so many names floating out. And then today, Dayton Moore's like, nope, we're, nope, nope. Nope, we're not doing it. And there, and um, Quaid himself didn't know about it um, when they, when their game started, yeah. and uh, Rosenthal had already announced that it was completed. It was it was it was just a mess. Would that make just you guys mad? Mess. Would it make you mad if if you were a player and you you don't find out you're being you get traded, then you find out later that you were traded, rather than you know the front office coming and say, hey, we're kind of talking about trading you. To me, I, I wouldn't care. But any consideration from you two? I think players uh, in general just don't like getting traded just because it's you got to learn a whole new city. Sure. You know, you got friends on your team that you, you're not going to be part of anymore. And I think just in general, they don't like to get traded. And I think if they do, they do like some kind of, some kind of, I guess, emotional, you know, preparation for it. But it, that's kind of stuff probably gets a little overblown. I mean, I'm sure there was he, they did interview him today, and he said he was a little, he was pretty sad. I mean, he's been there, he's been with that team for eight years. Yeah. He's been in that organization since he was a kid. I can understand that. But um, yeah, it's part of the business, and I don't know how upset I'd be over it. But you know, it's it's really more of Cincinnati's problem than ours. I don't. I think he's going to be coming to Kansas City and be be ready to go, ready to contribute to a to a pennant race. So, who's the who's the last dreadlocked pitcher the Royals have had? I can't recall one recently. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, good good point. Have I ever had a dreadlocked player before? I don't. Great. Santana had, I guess maybe Irving. Yeah, Santana. Yeah, Santana. Irv had, he had dreadlocks, maybe. But maybe think. not. Not quite. And Quato, you know, half of his allure is his hair. Um, so nothing to that extent. To that. Point. I did see a tweet that's <laughs> probably not true. But someone said that the uh, the Yank that was a sticking point with the Yankees that they wouldn't trade for him because he had dreadlocks. Yeah, and he wouldn't he wouldn't shave them off. So <laughs> now that is a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that is. That's that fake Ken Rosenthal account going out there. Yeah, um, Rosenthal. Yeah, this is the trade. The trade deadline is really interesting in the in the age of Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of information, but there's a lot of disinformation for sure. And it's, sometimes it's like looking for a needle in a haystack to get accurate yeah. information out there. Right. And then uh, I think Vernier 
had tweeted a couple of those fake Ken Rosedale tweets. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of people out there that for some reason like to just, you know, make a fake Twitter account and troll people. Um, so my thought was the holdup, or an idea I was thinking, was, was some of the holdup might have been around maybe the addition of Jay Bruce. Would you guys, you know, have paid maybe if it would have cost Manaya or, or Zimmer or maybe even Mondesi if it was Cueto plus Jay Bruce for the same package plus, let's just say, Mondesi or Manaya? You guys agree on that or maybe think that's too much? I, would, I wouldn't have done it. I, I would not have touched. Uh, I would not have traded Manaya or Zimmer or Mondesi or, for me, Starling. I would have just not traded any of those people. Okay. Um, but that's that's just me personally. I know me throwing in Starling there. Um, I think my my relationship to Starling is about your relationship to Dozier. I oh, think more on. or less. I'm just uh, I'm more I'm higher on Starling than a lot of people. I think. Yeah. There's a pretty good chance he's a league average, you know, right fielder, and that is got lots lots and lots of value. And you don't really want to throw that away, especially if he just turns it on for a year sure. or just, you know, three months of just hitting the cover off the ball, then his um, uh, then his ceiling just skyrockets and the Royals look like punks for trading him yeah. away. So I, I was just really worried about that, I think, as far as including him amongst, amongst my non-traders. Max? Yeah I, yeah, I kind of argued with some people on Twitter about, you know, whether or not Raul Mondesi should be, un, un, you know, untouchable. And I think in the right deal for a guy that's signed beyond this year, you know, maybe someone with two or three years left of controllability, I would absolutely deal Raul Mondesi. I think there's, you know, enough flags in his game. He's not a slam. You know, we traded Will Myers, who was the best prospect in baseball. I think surely we could trade Raul Mondesi. That being said, I don't think Jay Bruce is really that guy. Um, he's, I think his defense wouldn't play very well at Kaufman. You look at his road splits, uh, they're a little troubling away from Great American Ballpark. Um, you know, would he be an upgrade over Alex Rios? Sure. Uh, would I give up a Sean Manaya for him? No, probably not. Um, but so you know, without those two guys, it's hard to see how a deal would have gotten done. Yeah. Um, so you know, it could be one of those things where it just wasn't a, a good fit for the Royals. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I'm uh, Matt Bubba Starlin has two hits tonight. By the way, he's continually excellent to prove you right. That's that's <laughs> just that's great. And then. Ryan O'Hearn is my new Dozier, just so everybody's clear on that. <laughs> um, That's fair. According to people, which, anyways. So, yeah, I was I would have liked to have Jay Bruce, but I don't think I would have paid the extra prospect for it there. Um, I'm actually, maybe not surprised, but it usually seems like in most kind of bigger trade deals, there's usually like a, a each team sends at least two players or so. I Not that I wasn't surprised that we didn't get some low-level arm back, but I was thinking, well, maybe the Royals, the holdup might have been the Royals maybe were, you know, trying to figure out who's that additional piece, but it sounds like they got cash back, but cash hasn't been disclosed how much. Has anybody seen a figure for that? I no, I haven't seen one yet. Okay. And I, and I, thought, I thought they might get a bench player or two from the Reds simply because they need some, and the Reds had a couple guys. They had uh, infielder Yvonne DeJesus, who's not great, but, you know, he has like a 719 OPS, and can play all middle infield positions. Uh, you know, he's not. You know, he's not. He's 28 years old. He's not a prospect or anything, but he's been around the league a little bit. Uh, you know, he might have been helpful. And then Brian, uh, Brian Pena, who used to play here in Kansas City, oh, yeah. he's their backup catcher. He's not. A, he's not a very good defensive player at all. But um, you know, might have helped as a better backup bench bat than than Drew Butera. But you know, ultimately they didn't pull off either deal. Either of those guys, but um, you know that might be something to look forward in the last couple of days of the trade deadline. 
Yeah, now, now that you said it, I think I would really like to have um, Pena back just because, um, you know, Uterra's really bad. Like, he's, he's, he's really bad. Um, his career average is, I believe, under 200, and that that's just not, not good. Um, and I think part of Ned's problem is um, it would be easier to rest Perez if the Royals had a suitable replacement for him. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they play Perez so much that why spend for the suitable replacement for him? So it's just sort of this circular logic that never gets anywhere. Agreed. Yeah. Um, how about uh, the the rotation now? What's it What's it look like there, fellows? I think uh, I think we've got to make room for somebody there who's. It seems like what is it? Uh, Blanton's the obvious kind of candidate to go out, but any kind of other thoughts on that or? Well, by the time this uh, this yeah. episode airs, the decision will have been made. Um, so what should happen, probably not the most likely. I think the most likely is they get rid of Blanton. What should happen is they should get rid of Guthrie, but it won't happen. Yeah, I'll be really interested in seeing what they do. I mean, they've really got three choices here. They can either move Chris Young into the bullpen and yeah, uh, designate Joe Blanton for assignment. Well, you could see the argument that they want to save his arm, which you yes, know, we that's, don't know. That's you, true. And he's had some back stiffness, so I don't know. You know, it probably depends on his physical uh, stamina at this point. Yeah, they could uh, send Jordana Ventura back to Omaha, which Ooh, seems unlikely also, considering yeah. he pitched really well uh, here on Sunday night against Houston. But I mean, he has options remaining. If you're talking about inventory, he's a guy that you can send down. And maybe he needs that lesson in growing up that everyone seems to say and talk about so much. Um, and then your third option is getting rid of Jeremy Guthrie, which I is, which I agree is probably the right choice. Well, it is the right choice because he's just not a very good pitcher. But it's, it's hard for me to see them doing that. Um, and I guarantee if the Royals, if the Royals cut Jeremy Guthrie and, and they have Johnny Cueto in the rotation now and they don't win the World Series, there will be some fans that say, Dayton Moore blew it because he blew up the clubhouse chemistry. <laughs> yeah. You know that's going to happen. And uh, so I don't know. It, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do this week. If they do cut ties with Guthrie, I think that will show a lot of kind of growing up in the front office and, and the signs that they're maybe that they really are becoming a stat-oriented front office. Um, but we'll see. I mean, they, they've got some decisions to make, that's for sure. What's yeah, that would be take? really surprising. What's it going to take, you think, to – is Guthrie going to need another 11 run outing or whatever it was in New York? Or, I mean, he's really bad guys. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there's the whole argument about eating innings, but, you know, as we always say, what's what's the point of going seven innings if you're giving up four or five runs every single outing? I mean, does yeah, he... And I think some fans are... Oh, go ahead. It's been no, I'm done. Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I think some fans are like, well, he give, you know, it keeps you in the game. He only allows four runs, you know, in an outing. People... I think are still thinking this is the offensive era of like seven, eight years ago. It's yeah. like four runs in a game is not very good. I mean that that that's not going to keep you in a lot of ball games when other pitchers are only allowing you know one or two, three runs a game. I mean that's just not going to cut it in this offensive era. Yeah. yeah, I um, I some somebody was bringing it up like, oh, he he has just like every once in a while has a really bad game, but like on average, uh, his his um runs given up like his average game is he keeps the team in the game well first of all he's got a five plus era so that doesn't really work if you're using average but then i I went and i looked and i um i averaged out however many innings he pitched and he averages about five and two-thirds innings which is not that great for an innings eater but anyways uh he his median uh 
outing, he gives up three runs. So if he's giving up three runs in five and two-thirds innings, you know, just as your standard thing, that's that's not good. That's yeah. that's just not good. I agree. I, <laughs> I think we're all on the board that that's the obvious move is to just do something with – just DFA him. It's a sunk cost at this point. We'll have to pay whatever's left in the deal and then buy him out for $2 million, But at the three point two million. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> Three point two million next year. That's what it's okay, and they're probably going to hopefully do that anyway. So, gosh, they yeah. I mean, it's it seems like Guthrie wasn't so bad maybe two years back, and maybe not as bad last year. But kind of, I'm looking at it. He actually wasn't very good last year, nor the year prior. Um, I don't know. It's time to go for him. So, seems like going forward, what's the what's the starting five for for each of you guys? What should it be? I, I think it would be Cueto right now. Uh, probably Ventura, Duffy. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they handle Chris Medlin now because there isn't an obvious spot in the rotation for him now. So I don't know if their their plan is to just keep him in the bullpen all year unless there's an injury or, or someone really looks terrible. Um, so I, yeah, I'll be you know I guess Chris Young eventually if he stays in the rotation and Guthrie doesn't, uh, I guess Young eventually could switch roles with Medlin. But it'll be kind of interesting to see what they. What they do with him, with him, uh, and then who am I forgetting? Um, oh, Vol- Volquez has been probably the best pitcher this year. So, yeah. Cueto, Volquez, Duffy, Ventura, and then Young with probably Medlin switching out. I think the more the more interesting question is uh, what do they do for their playoff rotation, which you only need four players, right? So you have Cueto, obviously, a Volquez, obviously, and I think at this point you'd probably uh, likely have Duffy, who yeah. seems to have just sort of gotten gotten his uh, his gnar under control. Um, and then, you know, and then what do you do? Do you put Ventura in there as your fourth? Do you put in Medlin as their, your fourth? Do you put Chris Young as your fourth? Um, so, I, yeah, I think that'll be a more interesting decision, what they do with those, you know, four. And if Jeremy Guthrie gets to be one of those four, we should just riot. Yes. <laughs> and with Cueto, I mean, it's pretty much a given that the Royals aren't going to resign him next year. So the Royals have every incentive to just – Treat his arm like it's like Dylan Bundy's high school coach is what I said earlier, where it's just throw this dude as much as you can as often in later kind of down and down in the year there. Same thing the way the Giants who did a similar thing with Bumgarner in, in their World Series, the playoffs, but the Royals just need to throw this dude as much as they can, get as many possible innings out of him, which seems like could reasonably be I mean, if you include playoffs, maybe eighty five, ninety innings or so, uh, for the rest of the year there. I mean we shouldn't really be concerned at all about mileage on the arm other than, well, we don't want him to get hurt, but we should be maximizing these these innings on him, right? Yeah, especially on the playoffs. Yeah, you make up a good point, too. I mean, like, I, I think I saw that where over the last three years, he's averaging six, point, uh, six and two-thirds innings per start. Um, having, I mean, that is a true inning Xavier where he's actually giving you good, in, good innings. Yeah. So have a guy like that in the rotation where you can save the bullpen for the Knights when Maybe Danny, Danny Duffy loses it after five innings, or you know uh, uh, Ventura gets kicked out of the game in the third <laughs> inning. You know, save the bullpen a little bit. Which, to the Royals' credit, they've been really good about uh, protecting the bullpen this year and not overusing them. But to have another guy like that that can give them a night off, you know, every once in a while, I think that's going to be huge for the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so talk about the guys who are no longer with the Royals now or in the organization there. Um, First one, you just want to talk about, seems like everybody knows the guy, Brandon Finnegan, uh, the 
only player in MLB history named Finnegan. Um, how do we how do we feel about that, there, gentlemen? It's it, you know it's sad they drafted him a year ago, but it seems like the organization has, has soured on the now heavier uh, Brandon Finnegan. Agreed. Yeah, I, I don't know how much the, the the added weight has to do with it. And just before before we get any longer, because I realize it's half an hour and we haven't said who the Royals traded quite oh, for. Yeah. Um, they the Royals uh, shipped Brandon Finnegan, John Lamb, and Cody Reed to Cincinnati for Cueto and cash considerations, which is a nice way of just saying money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So F- Brandon Finnegan, I, I, he's they've just handled him very confusingly. I think I said earlier in an article that um, they're kind of handling him like you would if a duck-billed platypus just walked into your kitchen. Like, like what what am I supposed to do with this? And uh-huh. they're just like, I, I, I just don't know. He's been up and down. He's been starting in Omaha for three innings, and then he's been relieving in Omaha and then relieving in, in, in Kansas City and not as a high-leverage guy, right? They can't... They're just sort of straddling the line. Um, I think... I really like the trade overall because the Royals gave up legitimate talent. However, what the Royals gave up was not talent that they were prepared to capitalize on. They were reluctant to give John Lamb any innings in the major league level, and until that changed, he was just you know useless. You might as well not have John Lamb. And the Royals weren't content on either keeping Finnegan as a uh, reliever or as a starter, so capitalize on that while you're not using it. And I think Reds fans um, who might be listening, like you're, I think you're getting a pretty good, uh, you're getting good talent. It's not like you're getting cap softs, but for yeah. the Royals, the Royals are getting talent that they are not utilizing well. And so for the Royals to be able to offload this talent that they're just not maximizing anyways, is just, it's, it's amazing. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think this is actually a deal that could actually be really good for both teams. Uh, Finnegan is a guy that, they had soured on, and I, I think I agree. It was probably had something to do with the, the off-season conditioning. Showed up to camp a little bit overweight. Uh, I think maybe they thought his pitch, his secondary pitches, weren't progressing as much as they would like. And so he's a guy that maybe a change of scenery in another organization could could really you know he could, could really benefit and help his career. Um, you know maybe Cincinnati is able to, to work with him again to be a starting pitcher. I, I guess he's going to begin starting right away mm-hmm. for the Reds in AAA. So that's, you know, we can at least kind of see how he does and, and monitor his progress. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I, you know, three guys that I like, but I'm not going to lose any sleep over trading away for a guy like Cueto. Um, I mean, I, I think when you're talking about the highest upside for all three of these guys, it's probably kind of a mid-rotation starting pitcher. And more likely, it's, you know, for a couple of these guys, it's probably a reliever. Um, so I'm okay with trading that away. Now, there's always a chance that one of them ends up being an all-star. That's kind of the the you know the, the risk you take when you trade away prospects for a, for a good pitcher and, and and you know at least the Royals got a very big, very good pitcher. It's not like they traded uh, three guys away for Alex Rios. They traded uh, got one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. So I you know I, it's hard to see uh, any downside for me with this trade. Yeah, uh, agreed on on all terms there. I, I think that both sides can be happy. I kind of talked to this on uh, Red Support, the SB Nation. Um, kind of sister site to the Royals review there for the Reds and most of them seemed happy about the trade uh, I was really happy about the Royals trade and so it kind of makes you think well if one fan base is really happy about it that means the other fan base isn't going to be happy about it but no I think in this case both sides got really good pieces you know without speaking of Cueto which the Royals I'm very happy about getting 
you know, the Reds got for a guy they would only have control of for another two months, really, because they, in all likelihood, are going to be done at the end of September there. Um, you know, they've got three guys that, sure, none of them are slam dunks. Not that any prospect is slam dunk, but they didn't get, you know, uh, Corey Seager for him there. But they got, you know, uh, Finnegan, who could start conceivably next year in the rotation at some point for the Reds there if they really wanted to push him there. And Cody Reed got a ton of love this past few months. They're really shot up. Double A's been a bit harder on him than maybe not as expected, but his strikeout rate has declined pretty good there. Um, but John Lamb, are we sad to you know see John Lamb go? It's that's now the second you know of the big former pitching prospects the Royals had. Mike Montgomery's gone now. John Lamb is gone. Kind of a sad news to see a, a long time go guy, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. I'm really happy for Lamb because I think he'll get way more opportunities in Cincinnati than he did, um, you know, here in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, but, again, I think they, they maximized his value. Um, he had value to the uh, to the Reds, and, you know, maybe, you know, with what we discussed earlier about the prospect whose uh, medicals didn't match up, if that was indeed Sean Manaya, and they, they got Lamb, like, sort of instead, Lamb and Reed for Manaya. Yeah. Um, then it's really great because Lamb is, I think he has uh, a good chance of being, you know, an okay starter. Um, nothing special, but I think he can be an okay starter, and the Royals weren't going to give him that chance. Yeah. Um, so they maximized the value, and they kept Sean Munaya, who's younger and has a bigger upside. Yeah. Um, and he's on, Lamb was on the Royals' 40-man, right? Am I right, right. on that? So, he was yeah. actually on the active roster for, for one game. But oh, he didn't get yeah. Him. Yes. Oh, that's right. Duh. Uh, so he'll be he'll live in infamy as a, a a guy that was on the roster but never appeared in uniform. But never I think he'll be a trivia answer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in Twenty years. And so he'll immediately be on the Reds forty man. So it's not inconceivable that they give him some sort of major league innings within the next few months. I mean, it, you know, they no longer have Cueto, so Lamb for a rebuilding kind of team could just slot right in. So they could almost immediately, and you don't get that very often when you're trading away your kind of big high name players. You you don't very often get a guy who could immediately be ready. Two guys, actually, with both Finnegan and Lamb there. Um, a lot of teams, you know, especially with the A's, they, they look when they trade, they look to get guys that are going to be ready to play in the major leagues next year. They're not just looking for the low, you know, lottery ticket kind of guy there. Um, so I think that, yeah, they've, they've picked out good. They could have two guys in 2016 that could be in the rotation. And then Cody Reed's not too far behind. Um, still some concerns about him, but seems like across the board we're all we're all in agreement that this was a good trade for both sides right yeah and I, I think that you know John Lamb has kind of become almost like a cult favorite on, on in some internet circles like and he's a by all accounts he's a super nice guy guy that's kind of worked you know his, his butt off to become to go from top prospect to Tommy John to kind of some crummy years the last couple of years to, to really working his way back to being on the radar screen with a fantastic year in Omaha but you know he's also 25 years old yeah he is a Tommy John survivor, which is a little bit of a red flag. Uh, so people are making it out like he, you know, he didn't get a shot and he's going to be really good in the majors. Well, he's a 25-year-old of the Pacific Coast League. There are a lot of guys that pitch well at the Pacific Coast League who don't end up to a hell of beans, unfortunately. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I'd love to see what Lamb does, but he's the kind of guy that if you're the 2006 Royals, you give every opportunity to. If you're the 2015 Royals, you really don't have time to watch John Lamb figure it out for three or four starts and say, well, he's turning the corner. Uh, they really need results now. I mean, I know they have a big lead in the, in the division, but 
we've seen big leads disappear quickly. I mean, I just asked the uh, ask last year's Oakland Athletics. So, yeah. um, you know, I like John Lamb, but I don't have a problem with them moving him. Um, and then Cody Reed is another guy. I, I, I like him when they drafted him, and I, you know, he's had some really rough years. The last two years, just not being able to throw strikes. But it, you know, he's come around this year, and he's probably going to be. I think he could be like you know at the risk of saying the key to the trade, which we kind of mocked for years with the James Shields trade. You know, I think he could be the the key to the trade. He, he's got sure. he's got enough upside. I think that he could be. A, you know, he throws hard for a left-hander. He's seemed to figure it out his control this year. He could be a pretty, and he's already in Double A, which is you know uh, not that far from the majors as you point out. So I think he's a guy that. Could end up paying pretty good dividends for the Reds. Yeah. But like I said, he's a guy that was not very good the last two years. Has had command issues before. Uh, so there's enough red flags there that I'm not gonna really lose sleep over him not being a Royal anymore. So it's you know you got to give up talent to get talent. We weren't gonna get Johnny Cueto for Omar Infante and uh, Dusty Coleman. So <laughs> you know if, if we're gonna trade away three talented players, I'm okay with the three they picked. Yeah. Sure. Um... So going forward, Matt, you had kind of tried to talk about it in the comments at least a bit. Uh, ben Zobrist seems like, I mean, every team in baseball could use Ben Zobrist. There's very few players that are like that. But, it's, you know, are we stopping? Is this it? Or do we want the Royals to continue to trade away pieces to, to acquire, let's say, Ben Zobrist there, even if it costs you a, a Mondesi or a Manaya? Um, my, my top uh... – wish list for the, the trade deadline was actually Ben Zobrist and not Cueto. You know, I can understand getting Cueto, but I thought the Royals um, had two really big holes in their lineup at right field and second base, um, which is uh, Zobrist's two most played positions. I mean, it would allow them to effectively institute a, um, a platoon in both positions with one player. Um, and Zobrist is not making much money, so that's a non-issue. Um, he is a rental, though, um, but he also brings uh, plate discipline, which is something the team sort of lacks. You know, Alex Gordon right now is the only guy who uh, we can sort of rely on to be um, uh, disciplined to take pitches. And if if he and uh, Zobrist were there, I think you know the team gets a lot more patient as a whole, and that's that's pretty important. Um, and he seems like a Dayton Moore kind of guy. He's, you know, utility player. He plays good defense everywhere. Um, you know, I I think that depending on the return or the cost that is for Zobrist, I think that it would be smart for the Royals to to get him because there's not that big of a window really for the next couple of years, and if. The Royals are in a really, really good position right now. Nobody else in the American League is as good as them. Uh, nobody else in the American League is really all that good at all. Um, and this year, you, you've got Cueto, got the best defense in baseball, you've got the best bullpen in baseball, um, you've got some really good offensive pieces, and if you get Zobrist, you'll have another good offensive and defensive piece, and then you've got a really complete lineup um, with a guy that can play anywhere, um, assuming somebody gets hurt, is... I I think they should get Ben Zobrist, but I can understand why they say, "Hey, we got we got Cueto. We want to keep our prospects." You know, I can understand that too. But I think they should get Zobrist. I think they'll do their due diligence, and I think they're going to still continue to look for ways to improve the lineup. Uh, and Zobrist, like Matt's right, he he would fit into our club so well. He could he could you know play second base a lot. He could fill in a right field. 
He can even fill in a third base against tough lefties for Moustakas, play a little shortstop for Escobar if needed. Uh, and I, I'm, ideally, I'd like to see him lead off for us just because he's a guy that can get on base, like something like a 350 on base percentage instead of Alcides Escobar. Uh, but, you know, if I, I don't think he's worth a Mondesi or even a Manaya right. uh, for rental. Um, right. So with those two off, off the table and Finnegan gone, it becomes harder to see who could they could offer that would entice Oakland because Zobris is probably going to attract quite a few suitors at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Dozier, I guess, is a possibility. I don't, you know, with him having such a, a, a tough year, I don't know if that's really going to be much to entice Oakland. Uh, I suppose Jorge Bonifacio is an, is an option, but he doesn't seem like a, a kind of guy that would really entice Oakland that much. Um, and we've already kind of depleted a lot of our, our mid-tier pitchers. There's some younger guys like Eric Skogland um, that could maybe entice them just because they have a promise, but they're a long way away from the majors, and there's a, the upside there. But uh, I just don't know if they have the bullets to make another big deal like that. Without expending their big bullets. Right, right, which I would recommend for a renter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, it seems like if, if they were looking, I mean, first off, Bubba Starling is Billy Bean 2.0 as a player, so that might interest him. Um, well, yeah, I don't think he'd be interested in the kind of player he was. Yeah, though. I know. I just kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, to get Zobrist, you, you know, I was saying earlier, his value hasn't gone up uh, now that he's got shorter term control and he's not as good as he was last year. I mean, he was a five win player last year. This year, he's. I think he's like a one-and-a-half win so far, projected to be about another win-and-a-half. So still a good player, still an above-average one. Um, but, you know, for two months of, you know, one-and-a-half wins or so, um, yeah, I mean, the Royals, you know, shouldn't part with Manaya or um, Mondesi or maybe even Zimmer, you know. Um, would you guys have been fine? Swap swap Cueto for Infante. Or Infante. Swap Cueto for Sobrist. Um, agree on that package there? Um, I don't think uh, Zobrist would command as high of a package as uh, as Cueto would. Um, but if they if they acquired, uh, I I threw out Finnegan for Zobrist. I thought you know Finnegan plus maybe Cody Reed for Zobrist. I think that might be um, something that that would be reasonable. I I wouldn't do that easily. Sure, sure. Um, how about the dark horse of David Price? That seems maybe a little too out there, but and the, you know that would certainly cost. Manaya and or in Mondesi, but I mean, if you're going to go for it, seems like David Price would be the next addition. You wouldn't have to worry about, you know, uh, Guthrie anymore immediately, and then you've also got rid of uh, Blanton already. So maybe too far. Would you guys give up? Let's say Mondesi for for Price, even though Price is a rental. Assuming the Tigers are selling, because sure. Right now they, they say they're still buying. Sure. Seems like they're pretty far out. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that probably be a a bridge too far. I, yeah. If they're going to spend the rest of their big bullets, then I think you, you have to start looking at guys signed beyond this year. Um, and I don't know off the top of my head who would be a good fit that's that's on the market. Um, in, in that case, I, I don't think Cole Hamels is in their price range. Uh, James Shields, I think, is, is too old and mm. probably on the on the de- decline to really consider him. But, uh, you know, if, if they were going to do that, I think they'd want a guy signed for next year because with Vargas out next year and I guess Finnegan not really in the plans anymore, I think you got to start looking towards someone who can fill your rotation uh, instead of just a rental for this year. Do you guys have any other candidates just overall that you, you would at least like to target? I, I like, I still would love to acquire 
uh, Matt Latos or Wade Miley, who I think either one of those two guys could slot in in the back there and shouldn't cost too much, especially with you know Latos only having another few months of control. But do you guys have any others that you kind of maybe are pushing for in your own head? Um, I think that uh, we'll probably see one, one, maybe two minor trades. Um, like Max was saying, I think that they're they're not confident in Christian Cologne, um, and uh, Cuthbert's not good enough defensively to be the middle infielder. But at the same time, they want to have someone uh, that's not Dusty Coleman and just terrified at the plate. So they may they may pull out um, you know some some middle infielder who's just really pretty easy to acquire, but who's better than what they have right now. Or um, I think that it wouldn't be out of the question for the Royals to try to get a left-handed bat uh, in the outfield um, because right now they've got Alex Rios, who's a righty. They've got Kane, who's a righty. They've got Orlando, who's a righty. Um, and then they've got Dyson, who's a lefty, but not, you know, one of those sort of power lefties. So they don't... You don't need a power lefty, but I think in the playoffs you want somebody um, who can you can pinch hit for and hit from the left-hand side. And right now they've got zero people that can do that. So um, a name that we're all pretty familiar with is uh, David DeJesus. Um, he is, uh, I saw some, something that the Rays were uh, floating his name out there as he's available. Um, and he's got an option for next year, which is nice, um, depending on what, they've get, what their decisions are in regards to Rios and Gordon. But I think DeJesus might be somebody that they get as, you know, just sort of a a piece for the postseason roster more so than something they need right now. I I, I think they're probably done getting pitchers. I, I do like the names you throw out. I, I'd, ask, I'd probably add Dan Heron uh, of the Marlins as well just because he's a fly ball pitcher. I think they'll, they'll play well in Kauffman Stadium. Uh, but I think they're probably set. I think they, they're probably, they will uh, count on Duffy and Ventura uh, being pretty good pitchers down the stretch. And if they're not, then they may try to swap um, someone uh, off the waiver wire, kind of like that, you know, the, after the July trading deadline, you can still trade for guys that, that clear waivers, and they may try, like they did with Josh Willingham last year. So they may try to get someone, although it won't be anyone that great. Um, I think that they will probably try to get a veteran middle infielder, someone whose defense they can rely on, who isn't a total zero at the plate, like uh, or a bad pinch runner like Dusty Coleman. Um, a name. I kind of like is Clint Barnes, uh, former pretty good fielding shortstop for the Pirates and Rockies. Uh, he's hitting pretty well for the Padres, although he's probably not, that's not his true talent level. Uh, but he's a pretty good fielder, veteran guy. I'm sure he's gritty as hell and has great clubhouse presence and all that. And he seems like kind of a Dayton guy. And I don't think he's making a terrible amount of money this year. I think, uh, let's see, $1.5 million for this year with a club option for next year. So he, it seems like he might fit well as a guy that can kind of sit the bench and you know if we need him, we can you know break the glass and bust him out and play him shortstop. Uh, another guy that I look at is probably um, Andres Blanco, former Royal shortstop, who's now playing pretty well for the Phillies. Pretty good glove man, uh, hitting okay this year, although he's not going to be known for his bat. So I'd look for a kind of a minor move like that. Uh, maybe even uh, stockpiling a guy in AAA like they did with Liam Hendricks last year. Get a you know kind of a guy like that that can throw out an emergency situation if needed. So probably not anything big uh, the rest of the week. So you're saying not Bryce Harper? That would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. But, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Okay. Wow. But uh, we like the team as is going forward. 
it sounds like all we're gonna, all we need to really at least focus on is just can some ancillary pieces or minor moves, guys that should cost us no top ten prospects. You know, C maybe at most a B level prospect if that. Uh, so we're kind of just adding on at this point, right? Yep. Good. Yeah, I don't see them uh, trading anyone that for the future. I think that I mean, like I said, they might they might go for a pitcher that would be signed for next year, but I don't see them trying to acquire younger guys. Sure. Yeah, um, sounds like across the board. I mean, everybody's on on board with the Cueto trade. We really like where the Royals are. Um, Matt, we were looking. The Royals have are, are what at this point? I think they were ninety two percent chance to make the playoffs, according to Fangraphs, or at least win the division. Yeah, ninety one and change uh, to be in the in the playoffs, which is uh, second highest out of anybody, um, second to uh, the Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, but better than any other team in the American League. Yeah. So, so looking at, I guess, looking forward to October. I mean, maybe it's a little premature to do that, but we've seen some of the other top teams in the American League. How do you think this team with Cueto stacks up against some of the other? I mean, we got the Yankees. We got we haven't played particularly well against the Yankees. We played okay against the Astros. You know, kind of got our butts handed to us in Houston, but took two out of three in Kansas City. Uh, the Angels. We haven't seen them in a while. Uh, how do you think the Royals stack up in October against the big boys? I think this team is so – and it's not – I don't think it's on purpose, but I think this team is so well put together for playoff-type stuff with the bullpen and the de- and defense that the randomness that is the playoffs, the randomness that is, you know, BABIP, that is, you know, time through the order, maximizing bullpen – that is in such the Royals' favor. Not to mention their team. The team's been pretty dang good this year to begin with. Um, I think everything is just really, really good. And, and you know, this is totally hubris right now. But I think this team is in really good position team-wise, the way they're built um, against other teams. You know, well, the Royals have weaknesses in the rotation, but you know, Cueto should get thirty percent of the innings pitch in the rotation, and then you've still got decent fallbacks with you know Volquez and Duffy and even Ventura there. So. Yeah, I think I like us against, I mean, really any, anybody, at least 50, you know, 500 or 50-50 odds against them. And, you know, they have the best record in the AL. So it, it, it's not like they're just some fluke like maybe they were last year. Or maybe not fluke, but were they the underdogs this year? This year, every single matchup, they should conceivably be, you know, the team to beat. I'm worried most about the Astros. Just... um I think they're they're really dangerous. They're really young. They've got a lot of potential in them. Plus, their um, their short left field porch, I think, the and the small dimensions uh, doesn't really match up well with the Royals' the home run power, which is um, you know okay, better than last year, but still not that great. I think uh, their ballpark and also the Yankees too. The really uh, short fences in there. I think that that could be. A problem, but as far as the teams themselves, um, they don't necessarily match up unfavorably with anybody. So, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think that Houston and New York. I mean, they're, they're they're scary, but I think their their offenses are kind of offenses that rely on the long ball. And I think if they go through a slump, that's going to be big trouble for them in the postseason when there's a low scoring environment. Anyway, with the Royals, if they go through a slump, they can keep things close. Use that royal devil magic to scrap a couple of runs together, and you know that's kind of the formula they used last year. Uh, you know, I I share your concern about the short porches in New York and Houston, but you also have to remember that we right now are on pace to have home field advantage, which would help. Uh, and neither, and I'm, at least Houston, I haven't looked in New York 
in a while, but Houston, I know, hasn't played particularly well away from Houston uh, this year. So, um, yeah, I think I think we'd be the team to beat. Uh, you know, the, the way things are going, and you know, we'll have hopefully a healthy Alex Gordon back, and you know, especially if Giordano and Danny Duffy are back the way we think they should be, which is still, I think, quite up in the air a little bit. But um, you know, they've they've been a little unlucky the first half, and I think they'll they'll start to come around, and that that'll that'll be really good for the Royals, and I think make them a real force to be to be reckoned with. This just dawned on me. Are the Twins? Am I so out of it? Are the, the Twins are the second wild card team. Yeah, they're. I think they were in line when I checked a couple days ago. I don't know. Yeah, if they, so yeah, still there. Yeah, and the Astros just won't go away. Yeah, huh? So yeah, but I mean that just speaks to how kind of mediocre the American League yeah, is this year. I mean, certainly. like Toronto should be really good, and they're at five hundred. Detroit seems like they should be good. They're at five hundred. The Indians, everyone's, you know, Sports Illustrated's, uh, Sports Illustrated's cover darling, they're in last place. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, it's, Boston's in, I think they have the worst record in the American League right now. Oakland's down there. It's just a weird year. Yeah, so it, it looks like right now it'd be Astros, Twins for the wild card, and the Royals would play the winner of that. And, I mean, best case scenario, it kind of looks like it'd be, you know, Twins beat the Astros, the Royals play the Twins, and then play the winner of what would, you know, likely be the Yankees against Angels there. And, yeah, the short porch is the concern there, but yeah, I mean, having home field advantage there against um, even the Angels or the Yankees, who good teams, but you know, they're not they're not the Royals. So, uh, not sorry to interrupt, but uh, this just came across Twitter. The Royals have interest in Marlins infielder Martin Prado. Oh, there we go. So, yeah, what do you guys think of Martin Prado? He's a little. He's having a little down year this year, isn't he? I thought he was a little. He used he's to be kind awesome. of a poor man's Zobris, is he not? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, Certainly doesn't get on base as much, but can play a lot of different positions. Right-handed bat, I can see that being a good fit. I mean, you know, let's see, he makes uh, doesn't walk much. Very good. He's making a lot of money this year, but the Yankees are paying some of it, um, and then the Marlins may pay more of it if they trade him. So that yeah, that's an interesting one. I I can see that being a fit. Yeah, and eleven million next year. That's interesting. Um, for now, he doesn't have much experience at shortstop the way Zobris does. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a deal breaker or not. Yeah, Escobar plays every day, so right, that's, right. I think that's less of an issue. Yeah. He has 108 innings at shortstop. Yeah. In his career? which is In his career, which nice. is not many. Yeah. Wow. Uh, final piece, because we need to wrap this up here. Um, Ventura Demotion. I obviously was completely against it, thought it was terrible. Um, Max, you were thinking it was a bit of an inventory move rather than a you know, Ventura sucks move, right? Yeah, I thought the whole he needs to grow up thing was just a smokescreen. You know, it's convenient that he's coming off a, a kind of a rough start, but I think they just can't ran into a roster crunch and they're like, well, Ventura has options. We don't want to release Blend because we need a long reliever tonight. We don't want to release Jeremy Guthrie uh, because he's, I guess, valuable in the clubhouse or they think he's been a good pitcher the last couple of years because he started Game 7 of the World Series, but they didn't want to cut ties with him for whatever reason and Ventura had options, and I think that's the main reason they sent him down, and I think it was confirmed to me when they called him up what, 12 hours later? Yeah. When Jason Vargas got hurt. I mean, if they really thought he needed to grow up, they would have stuck to their guns and sent him to Omaha and called someone else up, like John Lamb or, uh, you know, someone else to, to take that roster spot, but they uh, decided to bring him back, and uh, you know, the maturity thing has, has been overblown. I don't, you know, if, if he was really that immature, I think we'd see it in his numbers, and you pointed out really well the peripherals are, are just fine you know he's been he's been bad up unlucky he's been straight you know not stranding as many runners this year but 
that's something that's probably going to even out over time, and there's really not anything to be concerned with as far as his velocity. So yeah. Yeah, he's, he's going to he's going to have better results going forward, and I think we saw that with his uh, start Sunday against Houston. Matt, feelings? Um, Do you have any? Yeah, I- I can, yeah, I have feelings. Um, I I can sort of see both ways. Obviously, the the advanced numbers um, show that uh, the 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 defense independent numbers say that he's been basically the same. Um, but he's lost a tick off of his fastball, and I mean, Luke Hochaver always way outperformed his peripherals, and Luke Hochaver was just getting hit really hard, and. Uh, to me this year, it's it's been a combination of, well, he should be better, but, but he's also getting really hard. So th- is this a case of, you know, the Luke Hochaver syndrome of, uh, you know, whatever, a poor location or bad luck or making a, the Babbitt very angry or something? Um, you know, it was the same thing with, with, um, with Kyle Davies, I believe. You know, he they outperformed their peripherals. So I don't... Obviously, the difference between those two guys and uh, and Ventura is Ventura was really good last year and was uh, his ERA and FIP and XFIP were all really similar. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I've seen Ventura looks not as smooth and as consistent just from a release standpoint as he did last year. He seems to just be a little off. And but you know, is that worthy of a demotion to Omaha? Probably not. Is it due to his, you know, head caseness? Probably not. But you know, I think there might be something mechanically going wrong. But um, you know, I'm not smart enough to to necessarily parse that out. When does um, Cueto joins the team? I thought it was like Monday or Tuesday. You say he's come Tuesday. Tuesday. So I don't think they have to make a transaction until then. Okay. Until he reports. Do we know when his first start might be? They have not said he'd be he'd be scheduled to go Thursday because he started on Saturday. Uh, Thursday is Danny Duffy's day to, to go. So, uh, you know, I don't know how they juggle the rotation if they just bump Cueto back, or I guess they'd probably bump Duffy back maybe a day or two and just kind of move, bump everyone back a day. But I don't. They haven't announced anything about when he's going to start. Yeah, and I think we've got a couple spots to to fill on the. I mean, I don't. I don't think they have to fill them uh, immediately, but I think we have a couple 40-man spots now open for a couple guys yeah. coming up. That's kind of an added benefit of moving Lamb Finnegan is that uh, that did open two 40-man roster spots, which I think moves them up to three. Yeah. And then Vargas oh, could yeah. be moved to the 60-man disabled list as well. That would open up another spot. So they've got some flexibility down the stretch. Do those have to be filled right away? I feel like No, they, they don't open. have to be filled at all. Yeah. They could just go with 25 men on the 40-man. Yeah, that's that's they living life to. on the edge. And I, I believe there's a couple important names they have to add to the 40-man this winter. Not that they should be worrying about that right now, but yeah. Bubba Starling, I think, would be one of them. Yeah, and if they needed uh, if they you know, if they want to call him up, they, he has to be on there anyway, so it's kind of consideration for that, so good. All right, all right fellas. Well, um, great session there. I think we're all happy with, with the news, uh, with, with Cueto now joining the Royals. Sounds like it's across the board thumbs up for pretty much everybody there. Uh, for those of us listening, well, real quick, final salvos, Matt, Max, anything extra you guys want to talk about? Um, it's been a good day. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, you kind of like. I don't. I dream about these kind of days, but it's you know, as a fan, you're like, man, you see other teams getting guys like this, and you're like, man, when, when's it going to be our turn? When's it? Uh, you know, when are we going to make a big bold move like that? And uh, 
I mean, it just feels really good to make not yes. just a big, you know, not just to make a big bold move like this because they did that with James Shields, but you know, I, that almost depressed me because I was really upset about losing Will Myers. Yeah. Um, and with this kind of deal, I think, you know, they gave up some pretty good pitchers, but like I said, it's not anyone I'm going to lose sleep over, and it's just a deal you got that makes so much sense for them right now with the position they're in, and. Um, yeah, Royals Review, just overwhelmingly approving of the job Dayton Moore is doing. It's it's a weird, what a time to be alive. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and pending, you know, Clayton Kershaw getting moved, this is probably the biggest move, or arguably one of the biggest moves of the whole uh, trade deadline. You know, or even yeah, the I past Yeah, Hamels is getting a lot of attention yeah. just because um, his contract, I guess. Or, or, you know, he's been a good pitcher too. But, you know, Johnny Cueto was second in. Cy Young balloting, I think over the last couple of years, he's been one of the top five pitchers in the National League. I mean, this is one of the better guys you could get out there to throw pitches for you. So, yeah, yeah it's a slam dunk, I think. And if Cueto ends up being the number one, I mean, you know, if let's just say Hamels doesn't get moved. If Cueto ends up being the number one kind of trade piece, not that Finnegan isn't a good prospect, but it's kind of underwhelming kind of with names being changed necessarily that you think a trade deadline, you think of big-time prospects, you know, like Addison Russell being moved. Um, but this might be if this is it. I mean, it's kind of like all right. I mean, Cueto got moved. Price probably isn't getting moved. Hamels might. It's kind of like this is the the biggest piece, and it's not a huge kind of trade. You know, gigantic trade with all these great parts. So it's pretty interesting that it's kind of calm in a way. But of course, a really good big pitcher just got traded. So it's a little bit of both, which I guess is kind of exciting. But I don't know. It's the time. Just- it's just kind of the market for a rental these days. Yeah. It's just it's not. It's just you're not going to get that, especially with teams not getting the draft pick compensation once they acquire a guy yeah. like that. You're just not going to get uh, you know the, the primo prospects maybe you you would have in the past. Yeah. And speaking of draft, uh, Royals did not get a CBL pick, uh, competitive balance lottery pick for the second straight year, which is unfortunate. But it seems like um, we might make that up with Gordon walking away and you know that's a conversation for a later time you bite your tongue they're gonna they're gonna resign him to a yeah. very team friendly deal and yep. and he's gonna he's gonna make us all happy next year yep three year he's 30 usually. million dollar deal it's yeah coming. he's gonna play for free he's gonna and he's gonna he's gonna uh actually pay us to uh to play for the royals next year that's how much he loves the royals i think he's working at craft and draft too on his off days <laughs> i think they're gonna make him do some yeah. labor too uh you know, uh, put out the first base there. Uh, well, excellent, fellas. Well, you can follow uh, Matt Lamar on Twitter at L-A-M-A-R underscore Matt. Lamar underscore Matt. Uh, Matt, thank you uh, for co-hosting here with me. Yep. Uh, you can also follow Max uh, at on Twitter as well at, I'm going to get it right, M-A-X-R-I-E-P-E-R. Max Reaper. Yep, that's right. Um, the Grim Reaper himself and both are excellent Twitter followers, as I can uh, attest. If you, this is not the end of the podcast, though. Usually we end it, but uh, Max, who's our uh, special guest coming on here uh, after after the break? I'm gonna have a music uh, break. In just a little bit, we'll have uh, John Sickles of MinorLeagueBall.com, who's uh, kind of the prospect guru, and he'll be on to talk to us about uh, a lot of things uh, regarding Royals prospects, including a couple that they just dealt. Yep. Uh, fellow, well, not, I'm not a Kansan, but he is a Kansan. Uh, I think he joins you two there as Kansans. Um, and you can follow me, Sean uh, Newkirk, here at uh, Sean Core, S H A U N C O R E, Sean Core, at Twitter. And I, I am a very good Twitter follower if I can uh, pimp myself out. So good. All right, fellas. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, anything else? Sounds like we're we're good for the day. Nope. It's it's great. Been a great day. Good to be alive. 
All right, uh, stay tuned for John Sickles and us. There's a hole in my soul. I can't fill it. I can't fill it. There's a hole in my soul. Can you fill it? Can you fill it? You have always walked. Segment. Uh, we have a special guest on with us. It's he's the uh, the prospect guru for SB Nation, and we have a lot to talk about with the Royals minor leaguers and prospects. He runs the site minorleagueball.com. Mr. John Sickles, thanks for joining us today. Well, uh, yeah, this is it's pretty interesting from a Royals perspective right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's certainly not a shortage of things to talk about, and it's a lot better than talking about the uh, the player we traded away and uh, talking about some of the scrubs we're getting in return. So I much prefer this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, also, uh, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say uh, it's uh, it is interesting. I mean, I, I lived in a you know, Kansas City area for over twenty years, and so it's uh, uh, you know, even though I got to cover everybody, uh, obviously you get a lot of extra Royals news just from being around here, and uh, it's it's good to see the excitement in the city, and, and I think people are realizing that that uh, you know that that process that everybody was always on Dayton more about finally <laughs> seemed to work, <laughs> and. Uh, and last year wasn't a fluke, and uh, so it's, it's, it's fun to see. Yeah, it's really been fun. Well, also joining us is uh, Sean Newkirk from the first segment. Uh, Sean, how are you doing? Uh, good, and let's, let's, let's go for the record here that uh, John is a Twins fan, everybody. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a Twins fan, that's right. So, yeah, so he, has a, he already has an inherent bias he's, against the Royals. He's biased against the Royals, <laughs> yes. No, John's a good guy. I do, he's the, also, I do the best. I, I try to be objective, but you know, us Twins fans, uh, it's it's hard sometimes. It's hard to be objective, objective about prospects, that's for sure. But uh, you do a pretty good job on your site, and uh, we certainly have a lot of Royals prospects to talk about these days, and a few ex prospects since the Royals, uh, as of now, have traded Ben Zobrist. Uh, actually, since the time we taped the first segment and the time we're taping this segment, they have actually traded Ben Zobrist away to the Oakland Athletics in exchange for Sean Manaya and pitcher Aaron Brooks. Uh, you know, we haven't had, we haven't had a whole lot of time to digest this trade. Just kind of your sense, you know, what's what's kind of the the value of Sean Maniah right now, considering he's missed a lot of the year. He started to come back a little bit uh, at Double A and looked okay. Uh, you know, for a player like Zobrist, is this kind of a fair? Is this close to the ballpark of fair market value, or do you is your sense that the Royals maybe paid a little bit too much uh, by offering Maniah? Well. I don't know. I kind of like it, but then I've been a I've been a Ben Zobrist guy for probably a decade now, and, and uh, uh, he's you know he's uh, certainly a very valuable player. I mean, you know, I hope hopefully it could be like worth an extra from the Royals' perspective, be worth an extra, even if it's just worth an extra win or two uh, down the line. That that could make a big difference in the second half of the season, and and even in the po- even into the postseason, assuming everything goes as planned. But the thing you got to remember about about Manaya and, and even any other pitching prospect is. Even your best pitching prospect is is uh, dangerous, <laughs> just because of the nature of the beast. I mean, uh, look what's happened to Kyle Zimmer, who looks really good in relief, by the way. But uh, uh, but you know, Manaya. I mean, the upside is certainly there. This is a guy who two years ago uh, looked like you know best, maybe the best college pitcher in baseball at one point. 
uh, he, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's been a little up and down as a pro. He's had some injury problems, but he's pitched pretty well, and uh, the potential is certainly there. And if you if you look at Manaya, you can see somebody who's got the ability to be a number two starter. The thing is, that's at least a year away, maybe two or three years away, if, if it happens at all. Whereas uh, Zobris is a guy that that can help you get over the top now. And I think from the Royals' point of view. And, you know, you mentioned I'm a Twins fan, and so I, I've, I've gone through several cycles of this rebuild the farm system, then contend for a while, then rebuild the farm system again. And I think that what Royals fans need to think about is, you know, for years they've been in this, like, you know, 20-year rebuilding project. Uh, and now over the last year and a half, last two years, it's bearing fruit. And so I think it can be a little bit psychologically a little bit difficult sometimes to make to to change, hey, you know it's okay to trade a prospect. <laughs> I mean, you still got to you still got to pay attention to what's going on in the farm system, and with all these trades, I think the Royals farm system has taken a hit. I mean, if you compare, you look at the the, the paper depth at least right now compared to what where it was three or four years ago. Obviously, it's not as strong. But why is that? Well, some of these guys have graduated, some of them have been traded, and uh, and you've got this winning team on the field that's pretty young, and. Uh, so I, this, this is the way it's supposed to go. This is the way it's supposed to be. Now, I think you make a really good point about, uh, you know, we've been conditioned almost over the last 20 years, really, to feel like that we need to hold on to these prospects because we're a small market franchise and we, have, we need this pipeline of guys. And, yeah, it's, it, I think you're right. It's been a difficult transition to say, well, we can cash some of these guys in for, for quality major leaguers that can help right now. Because I was kind of surprised at the, the pushback uh, from not not a you know a small minority but a vocal minority of fans and and a lot of them had really good points to make I think Sean I think you maybe were not as high on this trade as, as maybe a lot of us on Royals Review uh, but you know I think sometimes we we you know we we attach so much to these guys because we rely on them so much and I I wonder I I do wonder like you uh, talk about how much psychologically we just kind of attach ourselves to these prospects Sean did you I know you you were maybe not as high on trading uh, Zo- trading for Zobrist from Anaya. Yeah, I don't know what 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 was your main concern with the trade? And you know what? It's all about opinion because my holdup is if you ask across the board, maybe not across the board, but I am the highest person on Manaya you probably can find out there. And it, some people, I think most people like Almonte more than they like Manaya. And I would have no problem trading Almonte because I happen to also be the low guy on Almonte. So that, it's just a difference of opinion where I really like Manaya. I see why people don't like Manaya as much as I do. Um, and I would have been happy giving up Almonte. Some people wouldn't have been happy giving up Almonte. So it's really just, it's prospects. And that's what it comes down to. It's just, I like this guy more than most. I. Would have rather, you know, I was very happy with the Cueto package uh, because I kind of had all three of those guys a little lower than obviously Manaya, but John had Finnegan, I think, in the top 25, 30 ish range, which was higher than Manaya, Manaya, not quite that high. So it's all just a matter of kind of opinion with prospects, and that was my biggest qualm as big Manaya fan, you know, three possible above average to two plus pitches left handed big guy i just i liked everything about him basically other than you know the command issues and some health concerns but you know like i said it's just an opinion based thing well it's you know it's all opinion but there's logic behind your opinion i mean there is manaya has a terrific upside there's no question about that uh i understand i mean it's uh 
remember the uh, the Shields trade a couple years ago when that first came out when the, when they did the Shields trade with uh, Rizzi and Myers. Boy, I thought that was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> and I was we wrong about that. <laughs> yeah, I was wrong about that. I mean, now I love Jake Odorizzi. I I absolutely love Jake Odorizzi, um, and I, I think that he's I I think he's going to continue to improve, and uh, he could be the I think he could be one of the best pitchers in the league a couple years from now. And I was I was like you know, you talking about being the high guy on Manaya. I was kind of the high guy on Odorizzi. I still had him at a B plus when most people were calling him like a fifth starter. Uh, so I love Odorizzi. I really like Myers, but then now you know now he's got the he hasn't been as effective the last couple years. Uh, but you know from the point of view, you know was trading Shields as good as I love much as much as I love Odorizzi was trading the Shields trading for Shields the right thing to do at the time. And you know what? They freaking won the pennant. Yeah, it was the right thing to do. And I was wrong about that. Now, five years from now, will you know will the war values add up to where uh, it was you know the long term best thing to do? I don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, this is you know it's uh, I, I just I, you know I guess you just it's uh, you know <laughs> sometimes you sometimes you gotta um, sometimes you gotta pull the trigger. You know, one one of the analogies that I made. Uh, a couple of years ago, after I had a time to think about it a little bit, when I was thinking about trying to put myself in Dayton Moore's position, and I started thinking about uh, this uh, general from the Civil War, George McClellan, who was the Union general from the Civil War. I don't know if you, you guys are into history at all, but McClellan, had, uh, early in the Civil War, Union general, did this tremendous job building up the Army of the Potomac to fight the Confederates. But then when it came down to actually using the army in battle, he could never quite do it. He could never pull the trigger and, and use what he had built effectively on the field. And so I was thinking to myself a couple of years ago that maybe what Dayton Moore's trying to do here is not be George McClellan. He's built this organization, they've got the farm system running, they've got everything set up to go, and he said, okay, now's the time that we move into battle. And you know what? He was right. Now, he's got to find the right balance now between continuing to keep the team on the field strong without totally mortgaging the long-term future of the organization. Now, some teams can, can you know, kind of do like the Tigers have done over the last few years and, and you know, have this kind of low-level system but continue to turn out enough prospects that they can trade for that. Uh, I don't think the Royals are going to take that approach. I think they're going to remain a strong player development organization. And as, like, you know, these, you know how these things go. There's cycles to it up and down. And so it'll be interesting to see how they do balance the long-term cycle with the short-term need to succeed. But, you know, this is a team, like I said, they're pretty young, uh, and uh, it's a lot of fun, and this is, this is a healthy organization. And they, they finally had the assets to do it, and they had the right people in place to pull it off. Yeah, John, and, and how, how, how surprised would you be if I told you five years ago that in 2015 the Royals would be looking good for the playoffs and – Mike Montgomery didn't lead him there. Um, you know, uh, Chris Dwyer, uh, John Lamb, you know, all, Will Myers, all these really big pieces, they still manage to trade away and be in the position that they're in. I mean, it's it's completely different from the best farm system ever, quote-unquote, is didn't even make that big of an impact necessarily on this yeah. team. Well, that's true, but when you're looking at it, like, okay, you're talking about the pitching prospects. You know, a, a rule of thumb that I use is that it takes five good pitching prospects to make one pitcher. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because just because of the injury attrition. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the way it's turned out here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, 
But at the same time, you know, you got you know you got Hosmer, you got Mustakas. A lot of this uh, team was was built from within. You've got the guys that they picked up in the Granke trade. That Granke boy is one of my favorite pitchers of all time. He still is. But they took. You know what? They picked up some good players with him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and and so it's. Um, this is a team that that I think. Uh, I, I mean, there's different ways you can build a team, but you know, this is not the the Angels or the Yankees of the 1970s trying to you know buy pennants at free agent. This is a, t- a team that, although they did do some free agents, but it was it, they didn't mortgage their future to do so. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, you, you know, if you had told me five years from now that the Royals would be contending, I'd say, yeah, sure, I could see that. Would it be with this exact roster? Uh, Yes and no. It wouldn't have surprised me that it didn't, at least on the pitching side. Just sure. because, like I said, these guys are so fungible. I mean, how many, how many of these, they had the big group of lefties, and the only one is really, I guess, uh, Duffy's only one is really panned out, although Lamb still has a chance to, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Montgomery's with the, with the Mariners now, yeah. but he needed a big change of scenery. And you well, made a, great, of, point. You, you made a great point that um, people look at, you know, the whole point of prospects is to, turn them into some sort of asset to your major league team and you made a great point about the Tigers where yeah you look at their farm system like man this farm system really stinks but they trade away their prospects for major league pieces that's what makes them successful so in the end the prospects while they're not necessarily competing for Detroit in Detroit they turn those guys into assets which is in the end the goal of the farm system I think Right. Now, the problem is that you got to be, I mean, it's it's a tough act to pull off over a long period of time, because if you screw up and commit to the wrong people, then you end up like the Phillies. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where, you've got, where you've got a roster of, of overpaid old old guys and a, and a farm system that doesn't have enough to, to, to improve it. And so there's a risk there. It's, it's a trade-off. Uh, and again, you, you look at history, you can find examples of teams that always seem to be in the rebuilding phase and never got over the hump. And you can also see teams that, uh, you know, built something, were good for two or three years, and then screwed it up or had some bad luck or injuries or, or some combination of the few or neglected their farm system. And I think that the good thing, I think, about the Royals, and of course, you know, who knows, five years from now, God knows what's going to be happening. But on paper anyway, and in theory, this does seem to be a team that is still going to be emphasizing player development at the same time they've got a winning team on the field. And that's how you build a team for the long haul and a team that can that can, uh, that can be successful over the long run. That's what they did in the 70s. You know, They had a, a good team on the field in the 70s, and they also had a farm system that continued to produce spare parts when they needed it. What's kind of your sense? You know, They've traded away five pitchers in the last couple of days. Uh, do you have? I know it's you haven't done maybe an organizational outlooks or anything like that, but do you have a kind of a sense of the depth in this organization now after these kind of moves? I mean, I know they had a pretty good draft where they had two picks in the top forty and they spent heavily in, uh, internationally this year, but those guys are going to be a pretty long way away. Uh, just yeah. kind of, do you have a sense of where they are right now as far as depth? Well, you know, I actually I actually wrote up an article uh, today. It's on it's at minor league ball. Uh, uh, what I did was I went back and I looked at the, the my preseason mm-hmm. uh, top twenty list for the Royals, and then I just basically ran down how each guy, excuse me, how each player on the list on the preseason list has performed so far and, and where they might stand now. And uh, you know, and looking at it, I mean, there's no question that these these trades uh, these trades have certainly given away a lot of the depth. I mean, you got my number one guy was Finnegan. And looking back on it now, I think that I probably had him overrated. I think I was probably. 
I mean, I've been doing this a long time, but you still screw up. I think I probably was being seduced by the whole postseason thing, and, and I probably had Finnegan ranked too high. But he's still a good prospect. No question about that. I don't necessarily think he was handled particularly well this year. I think they needed to give him a role and just you know instead of just jerking up and down thing. But but anyway, uh, you know I had Finnegan number one in their system, and uh, I I I still like Finnegan. I think he's if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a very effective major league pitcher. I had Manaya number two in the system, uh, and we talked about him a little bit ago. I mean he, he's got a chance to be number two starter if his command is there. Uh, Kyle Zimmer, uh, yeah, he's still in the system. Uh, you know, what we're seeing with this current level of pitching in double A, I mean, he's been lights out since he moved to relief. And I think, and, and Sean, you would know more about this than I would. They're still talking about Zimmer as a starter. Is that right? Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Just keeping him slow. See, I'm thinking, though, that, I, I'm thinking, though, that maybe, I don't, I don't know if anybody else is talking about this or not, but if he does have this consistent injury problem, maybe he should be a reliever. Sure. I mean, what if you're talking about a guy who could be the next Wade Davis? Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that, would you like that? So, uh, so Zimmer's still a, a prospect, although I'm not exactly sure how that's going to pan out. We talked about Almonte. I had him number five in the system. Uh, I, I, I like him. I mean, I like Almonte. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's got as much upside as Manaya does. It's certainly not as much upside as Zimmer, but, but uh, I still think he could be a, a good, solid number four, number five starter. I think one of the concerns that I do have about this system, and I think this is something that they're going to need to address, is uh, – they do seem to be kind of low on hitting prospects, at yeah. least hitting prospects that are actually doing something. I mean, you know, Mondesi down in, in, in Double A. I mean, he's he's doing better than he was last year, and he's only 20 years old. Okay, he's extremely young, uh, but he's been pushed real fast, and 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 the tools are still way ahead of the skills on, on Mondesi. And I'm just not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm just not sure if the if the hitting is ever going to catch up with the fielding. I mean, again, he's really young for the level, uh, and he could certainly improve a great deal. But he's very much a, a high risk, uh, high reward type guy. And I think more disturbing. I mean, Hunter Dozier. Again, Sean, you would have better read on this than than I would. But boy, what's going on with him down there? I heard that he's having some problems with the swing. Is that is that right? Yeah, they were. Uh, I think a couple concerns was the couldn't catch up to kind of more higher level velocity, which. You know, you see so much variation down in low A velocity wise, but I mean high A. But then you get to double A; it's almost a whole different ball game there. And then, yeah, they—I yeah. uh, guess he was trying to add more loft to the swing, try to more over the fence rather than his usual line drive. And this is kind of what you get out of it. So, re- reported, um, I think Baseball America was saying it that he's slowly working his way back. But I mean, you know, we're at a, we're at a full year now, basically double A results where it's just kind of lackluster hitting what you wouldn't have expected from yeah. a more advanced college guy supposedly yeah really that's that's definitely true um then he got you got uh bonifacio who's, who's doing pretty well he seems to be tapping in well not that well he's tapping into his power more effectively this year which is something he needed to do but he's not a guy that looks like he's going to be hitting for a high average or good on base percentage at this point you got the starling he's still got all the tools in the universe and Playing a little bit better this year, but but I I, I would have to think that uh, Starling to me looks a lot more like a a defense oriented fourth outfielder, you know, to me. Now mm-hmm. maybe he's still got the star ability, but I don't know if the the physical ability anyway. But I don't know if the, the pitcher condition is ever going to be there. And, you know, Elier Hernandez, they spent a bunch of money on him, and he had a good good first half at uh, Lexington, but then, you know, it's one of these guys, as soon as they get hot, they promote him to high A, and then he's, you know, he falls on his face there. Again, it's early, he's still very young, still has all the tools in the world, but just not a lot of polish. 
And so I kind of worry about, uh, I, I, well, I don't say worry, but I think that hitting is something they're going to need to address. Um, and how they go about doing that, I don't know. But, uh, you know, pitching was a strength of the system. They traded a lot of that pitching away. And, uh, and there's not a lot of hitting there right now. So that's, that's something that, we're, that they're going to have to, I think, do something about. But we'll see. You talked about uh, Raul Montesi a little bit, and uh, you came out with your top 75 mid-season prospect list uh, a week or two ago, and uh, it was a source of a good discussion, I think, on our site, uh, because I think we, the consensus on our side is pretty much the same as yours, that, that the skills are way ahead of the, the stats, or so far, at least. Uh, you know, he's shown some pretty good pop. Uh, he's obviously got that blazing speed, good, good defensive tools, but uh, just hasn't put, over, put up you know, overwhelming numbers uh, in the system so far. Uh, you had him ranked number 24 mid-season after being 106 before the year. Did you talk a little bit about how you come up with the top 75? Uh, I know there's a lot of graduations this year. I mean, there's, a, there's a great rookie class in the majors this year. And uh, maybe a little bit of how you came up with uh, Montessi being uh, as high as he was. Uh, it's a dartboard, you know. I, yeah. I get out the darts and, and just uh, toss the dartboards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, uh, that's a combination of things. Part of it was graduation of other players. Cause, like you said, there have been a lot of them this year. I, I do think that, I mean, I had him originally at 106 at the beginning of the season. I think that's probably too low. Um, and one thing I try to do is I, I, I try not to have uh, wild swings in value on, on, on my prospect list. And that was one of the bigger swings right there. And, and I think that was a combination of graduations and the fact that I think I have them too low to begin with. Uh, I did, uh, you know, put the, the caveat in the little write-up that I did uh, that he's been, you know, as we mentioned, he's been pushed very hard, uh, very quickly. Uh, and the fact that he's actually gotten a little better this year, despite, you know, uh, playing in double A, which is not an easy place to play, uh, that's a good sign. Uh, there's been, I think there's been a lot of defensive progress from what I understand. As you mentioned, his power's starting to, to pick up a little bit, so that's a good sign. Uh, main thing I worry there is the, the strike zone judgment, pitch recognition, that stuff's still pretty bad, and that's what's holding him back. Can he improve that? Well, sure, in theory, you know, uh, but sometimes guys do improve that, especially when they're this young, but not always. It doesn't always happen. And so he's still a high-risk, high-reward guy. Uh, where he's going to rank at the end of the season, I don't know. The, the mid-season list... Um, the midseason list did not have any of the like the 2015 draftees, and so right. that's I'm going to have to start incorporating those guys into the into the end of season list, and and that'll probably change things a little bit. And again, we'll have another six weeks of data to look at and six weeks of scouting reports. I don't know. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be uh, you know 24 again at the end of the season, but uh, you know if I I think that maybe 106 was too low, 24 might be a little too high. So we'll see. <laughs> when you talk about the kind of guys that are high risk or high reward, I can imagine there's probably maybe a little more variability with the rankings, especially with uh, uh you know how they with the results uh, that they come up with. Um, are, there, are there any kind of guys you know this this current Royals team we talked about? Um, you know some of the guys like Mustakas and Hosmer they panned out. And they were top of prospect list before, and other guys like Montgomery and Lamb didn't. Um, but then a lot of this team is like guys like Gerard Dyson or Greg Holland or Salvador Perez, who were never really on anyone's radar screen, uh, but just kind of you know skyrocketed through and became you know pretty decent contributors at the major league level. Is there are there any names you can think of in the Royal system that might be kind of deep sleepers that we can you know you know if they turn you know uh, develop one skill or or something. Uh, they develop pretty quickly that they could uh, become major league contributors at some at some point in the majors. Uh, well, let's see. I mean, uh, you know, again, Sean, Sean would know a lot more about that than I would at this point. Um, 
I, I think that, uh, uh, you know, they got a, a first baseman, and I tend to get overly attached to, to college first baseman, but I kind of like what Ryan O'Hearn did down at Loway before he got promoted. Uh, of course, he's a first baseman, and even if he does hit at high levels, I don't know how you're going to get him into the lineup. I think I can already see Sean smiling because he's a big Ryan O'Hearn fan. Ryan O'Hearn is literally probably yeah. my new favorite Royals prospect, so that yeah. works perfect. Perfect answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a really interesting bat. Um, you know, everybody knows about Cuthbert. I mean, we've seen him in the majors a little bit. And, boy, boy that guy is just an enigma to me. I mean, sometimes I've, I've seen him a lot since he's in the Midwest League. And sometimes you look at him and you're like, man, this guy is good. I mean, good swing. He knows what he's doing. He's not flailing the crap outside of the strike zone. He even looks pretty good defensively. And then you see him a week later, and he's like, whoa, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> this guy looks like crap. And uh, you know, you just he's just really erratic, and then it balances out to – Mediocre production, but but he's still young and he's he's uh, you know uh, he's shown enough I, I think to still be on the list as a prospect. Uh, let's see other sleeper type guys. John, uh, I think you nailed it with Glenn Spark. I mean, Glenn Sparkman is who I think you had preseason sleeper who has awoken. Yeah, it did. Prior to his injury, right? So, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's another guy that I I think you're right on there a little bit. Yeah, I had I had Sparkman as a sleeper. Um, you know, I would have said uh, Aaron Brooks till he got traded. And I mean, not as any great shakes, but as a guy who could kind of, you know, sneak in some quality innings if he has a little luck. Um, one guy that I do like uh, quite a bit, although he's on the DL now, and I, I haven't seen why he's on the DL. Uh, Eric Scoglin, this pitcher of the dad down at Wilmington, um, yeah. out of uh, Central Florida, they drafted him uh, last year. I liked him in college. He looked like a pretty interesting prospect to me. Uh, big lefty, good stuff, and he was pitching really well at Wilmington for the first, I don't know, about the first two months of the season. Then he had a couple of rough starts that he ended up on the DL, and I haven't seen exactly what the injury is. Do you know what the injury is with that one, Sean? I don't either. No, I've searched myself, okay. and I couldn't find it either. Okay, because uh, if he's healthy, I, I think Eric Scoglin is a guy that, that needs to be watched as a, as a potential breakout guy next year if he's healthy. I like him. Uh, they've got an outfielder named uh, Alfredo Escalera Maldonado, yeah. who's uh, hit very well in low A. Uh, it's gotten moved up to high A lately and has, has not hit very well there yet, but uh, it's Wilmington. Nobody hits in Wilmington. So, um, I just want to hear Rex Hunter say that name what? I said, I just want to hear Rex Hudler say that name once. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said Cody Reed, but he just got traded. So uh, there's a, And I, heck, I probably would have said John Lamb, too, because he's finally healthy. And, boy, now there's a guy that, you know, what, there's a guy that he, two years ago, boy, he looked finished. You know, even coming back from the Tommy John surgery, the stuff was just not there. But, but everything I've heard uh, from what the people are saying at Omaha is he's, he's looked much better this year. And uh, and they've been able to turn that around into part of the Quito trade. So, uh, you know, and what do you guys think of Paul Orlando? I know he's just a, 20, he's a 29-year-old guy, just kind of a minor league vet guy. But he seems to me kind of like, like somebody uh, – who uh, who would have fit on the team back in the seventies as like a fifth outfielder? Yeah, I think that's <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, that, I think that's a good yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, yeah, he's uh, his hit tool is a lot better than I ever would have anticipated, and not that it's great, but it you know it'll play at the big leagues, and his speed is everything is advertised. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Sean? What's kind of been your early Paulo Orlando impressions? Yeah, I don't. I mean, twenty nine. When I see twenty nine year old rookie, I ask myself, well, what happened to the other? six seven years prior and i mean there's you know there's the occasional guy that's that good i look at um, solarte for the yankees when he came up there he kind of surprised and kind of died off but yeah I, I would love to be wrong i'll give you that much at least 
Well, he's from like what Brazil or Brazil, something? Yeah, yeah, true. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so he's got kind of the the unusual background yeah. there, and he probably I think he probably had less exposure than 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 most guys his age. And again, and you look at his track record. I mean, he had some pretty decent seasons in the high minors, and maybe under different circumstances, he would have had a chance sooner. But like I said, I'm not saying he's any great shakes, but he's a you know a guy who's a, a fairly useful spare part under the right conditions. And I don't know, just for some reason, I was I was watching him play the other day, and I was thinking, you know, this guy would have looked good as part of a platoon with Joe Zeb, you know, back in <laughs> and uh, so he just strikes me as a throwback kind of guy, and. Uh, one uh, one guy that I did uh, mention in my, in my write-up, and he's just another great C prospect, but I, I wrote today that he wants to be uh, Paulo Orlando when he grows up is uh, Lane Adams. You know, mm-hmm. th- this guy's got a little little power, a little some speed, uh, 25, so he's kind of an older prospect too, but when Orlando fizzles out, maybe they can promote Lane Adams and get a little bit of use out of him. Yeah, I think it's also people forget too that, you know, part of the pipeline is producing your depth and your bench players, and you know, if you can get a Paulo Orlando and you don't have to pay $3 million for some scrub veteran outfielder, I think that's, that's huge. That's $3 million you can allocate towards, you know, some other, some good players. So I think that's pretty important. But yeah, I mean, well. if you, you know, how many teams are out there playing, or excuse me, paying, you know, $6 million for a replacement level guy right. when you could call up Orlando from AAA and pay him the minimum salary and get replacement level play out of him? Yeah. I mean, for a small market team, it seems huge. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know. And and again, even with their winning, the Royals are not going to have as much as much um, financial slack to make a stupid mistake as like the Yankees would. You mm-hmm. know. And uh, and so that's uh, that's a that is a good bit of scouting they did with him. Uh, he's, he's fast, and I it's pretty interesting tools. And I don't know, just kind of the kind of the guy that uh, gets overlooked. You know, he's not going to win your fantasy pennant for you. And he's but uh, has some use for a real team. <clears throat> Um, let's see. There was another guy I was going to ask you guys about because, again, you you would know more about any of these. Oh yeah, yeah, Foster Griffin, the the lefty wow. that they drafted last year. He's been terrible down in Low A. Have you heard anything about what's going on with him? Because I have not. No, I I I always heard he was a maybe a little bit more polished. I mean, Florida guy, you know, if you figure played year round. I thought he was a little more polished than he's been, but yeah, he's just getting beat up, and I don't know if they're maybe you know having him work on just his change-up or throwing certain pitches at this point, but the gloves should be off, you know, for a guy who's making his essentially full-season debut and, yeah, just getting beat up. I don't know. Yeah, because I haven't – I mean, he's been taking every turn in the rotation. I haven't seen anything about him being hurt or anything like that. Yeah, and, yeah. But he's just uh, – just, it's just not there. And, yeah, you, your report, I think, is pretty much the same, the same indications that I had preseason was that he was pretty polished for a high school guy, but it's just that just has, has not panned out. Uh, let's see, Scott Blewett, he's pretty interesting. I yeah. like him. Uh, low innings so far, but he throws strikes. He's got kind of a workhorse body. Uh, I know Christian Benford, I mean, he's he's another one of these, you know, Brooks types who, who doesn't have a lot of high-level stuff, but and he's had some trouble in the high minors this year, but he still throws strikes, and sometimes these guys can, can make a minor adjustment and, and do something interesting for you, maybe even come out of the bullpen or something like that. We already talked about Spock when he's another guy that kind of fits in there, so... Yeah, I mean, there's some stuff here. Um, you know, they really need for for uh, guys like Mondesi to to put the school, uh, put the uh, tools together with the skills and, and make those tools work on the field. They really need that for that to happen, and especially with guys like uh, Dozier not uh, not living up to the potential. So we'll see. I mean, they, they've uh, there is still some talent there, but it is thinner. I mean, I think that uh, the way it looks right now, you'd have to look at the minor league system and say that 
right now, this is a below average system if you're only looking at the players that are currently on minor league rosters. That's the way you have to phrase yeah. it. Hey, John, sort of circling back to Finnegan there, you're, you're 175, the top 175 you just published maybe a week or two back there. Um, I think you had uh, you, you had Finnegan in the 20s range alongside guys like, you know, John Gray, Henry Owens, Heaney. Those guys are, you know, I think Gray and Heaney were top 10 picks, all pretty much guaranteed to be stars, it seems like. What is it maybe that you liked about Brandon Finnegan to put him maybe up in that rank? Uh, you know, it seems like you're expecting him to be a starter, correct? Well, I mean, I, yeah, the the the, the preseason the ranking on Finnegan was predicated on the idea it was going to be a starter. I mean, I wouldn't put a reliever um, that that high uh, on a on a prospect list these days. I, I used to do that, but I don't do that anymore. Relievers are just too uh, too hard to predict if they're going to get a chance to save games or not. Uh, I mean, I, I think, and now a lot of a lot of my liking for Finnegan is based on what I saw out of him in college. Um, I think this is a guy who. Uh, has got uh, three quality pitches, and he's got good command, and he's got some uh, got the makeup to play it. I mean, uh, and it's just uh, it, it's but you know if you look at his the way he was handled by the Royals, he moved up and down so much that it's it's hard to get a kind of a, any kind of sabermetric read on it. Um, but even in the majors, his strikeout rate was pretty good, and that that's a key component right there. Yeah. And, and uh, I just I. Uh, again, just based on what he did in college, I was seeing it a guy that looked to me like he could be a number two starter. Sure. Uh, and uh, but his command was ahead of Manias. Uh, that was one reason that I had him a little higher. But uh, but again, maybe I, I might have been too high on Finnegan preseason. We'll have to see. But it'll be interesting to see what the Reds do with him. If they if they stick him in the rotation, or if they you know move him up and down the same way, or if they try to let him get a little bit of stability somewhere. I think they said they're going to have him start start in Triple A yeah, for AAA, now. That's what I was and, but I, I imagine he'll be in that rotation before too long because I don't think they have a lot of guys signed yeah. for next year. Yeah, they'll need to, they'll need to make sure his, you know, get his, his pitch counts and his stamina up to where they want it because, I mean, you're just looking back at his last few minor league outings where you got two innings, one inning, two innings. So, I mean, he's, you know, they can't ask him to go six right now or at least it would be pretty stupid to do that uh, with his arm not conditioned for it right now. But, uh I don't know, you know, and then the Royals know these guys better than we do, and the Reds know these guys better than we do, and um, the Reds probably see a number two starter out of them, and the Royals saw a guy that they could, uh, that was surplus to their needs, uh, whereas the other Royals probably look at it like, okay, Finnegan could be a, is, could be a number two starter two or three years from now, but Cueto is a uh, stud right now, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so I, I think it's a, certainly a, a defensible trade for the Royals. And for the Reds, too, I guess, for that matter. Well, it's certainly an exciting time for the Royals fans, and uh, we appreciate you coming on and talking a little bit about the Royals prospects for us. And we'll have to have you again sometime, when, uh, maybe when uh, you come out with your uh, off-season list for Royals prospects. And uh, we appreciate it, John. Thanks for being on the show. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. All right. Time we have 
lost Matt, we've lost John Sickles, and now it's just uh, Max Reaper and I. Max, uh, this marathon continues, huh? <laughs> this, this is the podcast that will never end. Yes, yes. Um, in case you are still living under the proverbial rock from Sunday, um, mentioned in segment one, the Royals have a new second baseman, left fielder, little right field, all-around good clubhouse guy, Ben Zobris, Max. Is, uh, is that right? That, that appears to be right, although it sounds like he's going to be a left fielder at least for the next month until Alex, Alex Gordon comes back. Yeah, yeah. What do we, uh, what do we think about that? Are, you know, I think everybody's probably familiar on the comments, and I'll talk later on about my feelings towards it. Huh? Uh, how are you feeling about the whole trade here? Well, I love the trade. I mean, uh, the, you know, I've been a big Ben Zobris fan for a long time, just like John Sickles. I mean, he's been one of my favorite players. Josh Ward tweeted out that he's, uh, since 2009, I believe it is, he has the third most war in all of baseball, yeah. which is just incredible. Yeah, uh, Just one of the most underrated guys in the league. And I, I saw a couple of people on Twitter, not, you know, well-respected baseball people, but saying, oh, you know, I can't believe we gave this gave up this much for, like, a light-hitting utility infielder, which I think drastically undersells. Oh, yeah. He's a, He's a guy that can get on base at a high rate. Uh, he can play all over the field. He gets, he's not a total lightweight when it comes to power. He has a little bit of pop. He's been on fire lately in the last month. Uh, so I think he adds a lot to this team as yeah. a guy that can get on base, give you depth at a lot of different positions, play all over the field, give Ned Yost a lot of options late in the game when he wants to pinch run for someone. And that's going to be huge in October, I think. Yeah. Um, especially since you know he gives you a guy that can play, that can back up all the infield positions so you don't have to carry a Jason Nix like we did last year and you can maybe carry an extra bat or an extra pinch runner or an extra reliever so I think that's going to be pretty big now they gave up Sean Manaya, who I liked a lot and I know you like even more uh, and that's a pretty steep price I think to pay for three months of a guy but Manaya is also a guy that has some red flags he's missed a lot of the year and I think you know when you're in this kind of position you got to take some take some risks and uh, I know people say they didn't need to take this risk because they already had the division locked up, but I think they have an eye towards October. I don't think they have the division locked up. I know that it's a 92%, you know, playoff odds with fan graphs, but, you know, the Brewers had things locked up at this time last year. The A's had things locked up last year. The Tigers had things locked up last year. It didn't work out for those teams, and I'd like to see the Royals give it everything they've got and give themselves the best opportunity to win a championship this year because you, they may never be in this or not be in the situation again for a long time. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm for the deal. So and I don't know. You seemed maybe a little more hesitant on the deal. I don't know. Did, did you come out on top or or maybe just kind of a, sideways on the deal? Yeah, was, I'm more happy about this Eric Cosmer home run that just to give the Royals lean the ninth for those oh, nice. of us who want to know. Starting to heat up. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'll probably write a little bit about this uh, upcoming soon here, but... You know, I love Ben Zorbris, really awesome player. I love Manaya. I'm fighting internally between his six years of Manaya, who I think is going to be an average pitcher um, worth the three months of, of Zobras. And sure, you can maybe make the argument, yeah, Royals might re-sign Zobras, but we're assuming right now that they won't. Um, I just don't know if that was worth what I like in Manaya. Uh, but, you know, Zobras is a one and a half win, you know, projection for the rest of the year. That's that's a top thirty ish projection. So, I mean, the Royals effectively have, you know, got to be like five or maybe not five, but a very large collection of the top 30, 40 players. They're all currently Royals. If you take in Cueto and you take in, um, you know, 
Zobrist and Perez and, I mean, even Hosmer. You know, you've just got a lot of guys that are legitimately above average to very good baseball players. And every little piece helps. I think Cueto helps more than Zobrist now helps. But, you know, at the end of the day, Manaya is a prospect. And I realize that I would love to have every prospect still. But, you know, I was fine with Finnegan going um, for Cueto and the others. And I'll eventually I'll be all right with losing Manaya until he – um, you know, throws multiple sh- complete game shutouts against us in a few years. Yeah, I get to the argument that people are making about, you know, we, when you add to a team that's already good, you get diminishing returns the more you add. But, I mean, man, the margins are just so small when it comes yeah. to October. I mean, look how close the Royals were to getting eliminated in the wild card game last year. And you just, you know, if you have Ben Zobris giving you two or three or four good at-bats rather than Omar Infante... That could be that could be all the difference in a series. Yeah. So, um, I I I think you got to put yourself when you're when you're in this position. You know, if the Royals were a game back of the wild card, I would say this is a stupid trade. If they're you know kind of in the race, I would say that's a dumb move. But they're they're the best team in the American League. Yeah, they which doesn't guarantee you anything right now. But they're in a position where they can win it all this year. And with the American League kind of down this year, I like their chances a lot. I think Ben Zobris gives you the best chance to win. I think uh, he just adds a lot to this team. And, you know, I I get the arguments, but I, I don't think Dayton Moore emptied out the farm system to win now. I think they still have a lot of good prospects. They didn't give up Bonacy. They didn't give up Kyle Zimmer. They still have Miguel Almonte. They still got a couple other guys. They uh, had a pretty good draft this year. They spent uh, a ton internationally. Uh, so, and, you know, and they've got a chance this offseason, too, to deal a couple guys like maybe a Greg Holland and, and, and get some of those prospects back. So, yeah. and, that's, I, you know. and that's kind of my holdup really is all that – not actually holdup, but it's my perspective on Manaya is my Mondesi. And, you know, some people yeah. didn't want to give up Mondesi for Zopers, and rightfully so because people are much higher than, you know, the, the level of Mondesi is what my Manaya. So that's just my one holdup. I just happen to be extremely high on Mondesi. If it was Almonte, which some people like Almonte more than they like uh, Manaya. I would have been fine with that, but yeah. it's the same boat. And that just kind of comes down to my opinion with it. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if Manaya never pitches in, in the major leagues, yeah, it's a great trade. If he ends up still being pretty good, there's always the risk with it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not burning down my house here, but I would have liked to trade somebody else. But Zobris is awesome. I'm glad I, I, see, I, I, still think, I think it can still be a good trade even if Manaya ends up being yeah. pretty good. I mean, you yeah. know. Even if and even if they don't win the World Series too, because I think this is all about just putting yourself in the best position. Probabilities, and probabilities. So, yeah, right. you're just adding you're adding to the probabilities, and yeah, Manaya could end up being pretty good, but uh, you know the Royals, you know they don't have these opportunities come up all the time. Yeah. I think they got to take the chance when they can. Uh, how do you see Zobris kind of fitting in with this team? I know they they've already said he's going to play left field at least for now. Um, is, do you think that's just while Gordon's out? It's got to be. I mean, th- th- there's just no way that. And as far as we know, my group in the Royals analytical team is relatively good. You know, I don't know if we can compare them for anything, but I mean, they've got to understand that Omar Infante is probably going to be a, a sunk cost by now, just like Jeremy Guthrie is. And I, I don't know. There's just not a. What's the reason to not swap him out for Infante when um, when Gordon comes back? You know, I. I just the only thing I can think of is like this is like a one month audition yeah. for Omar Infante to prove himself, but right. I mean, you're not. I mean, Gerard Dyson and Paul Orlando seem to be covering left field pretty well. I thought, right. I you know, you're kind of hurting yourself giving Omar Infante this 
extra month, but I, I don't know. Maybe there's a long game in it that I'm just not seeing. Yeah, and I, I don't know. And, you know, if if they're trying to fill and everybody kind of wants – well, I don't know if they need to necessarily now, but everybody wanted the Royals to pick up uh, um, like a veteran infielder. And I guess maybe Infante could be relegated to that role. You, you know, you've got, you've got Zobris, which kind of already fills that role, but basically – you know, you could swap Zobers for Infante. Infante could then kind of be your your backup infielder, pinch hitter. Obviously, Infante really can only play second, but um, you know, I'm sure in a pinch he could play third. Probably not short, but you know, he kind of does fill a little bit of that position. It seems like there. Yeah, uh, they're also going to hit him sixth instead of leadoff. Uh, now, Esky's done better than I thought on base wise, but he's still got a 3.27 on base percentage, where Zobers is up like 3.54. Zobris is a career 356, I think, on base percentage guy. Where you know, Alcides just got barely over 300 this year. I, I, again, I was wrong about Mustakas being in the two hole. That worked out great. Yeah. But it's been four months now. Esky's been better than we thought. But at some point, don't you got to say, you know, this new guy is a better on base guy. Let's put him in the leadoff spot. Esky, you can be our second leadoff hitter. At the nine holes, I yeah, mean, that you know, wouldn't that work out a lot better? Yeah, and isn't like maybe not ninety percent of his appeal, but a very large part of why Zobris is so saber loved is that the dude. And I'm looking here. We've got seasons with fifteen percent walk rate, fourteen and a half, fourteen, some twelves, consistently twelve or higher, career average of twelve point one. I mean. Half of the the love of this guy is his 350 OBP and his high walk rate there, and even he doesn't have. I mean, he's got a below league average average, or roughly or so, 264. Um, so it's not like he's getting tons of hits, but the guy just gets on base. And isn't the whole point of a leadoff hitter to to get on base? And I mean, he's also a career above average base runner. I mean, he's got every. He's the reason why you trade for him is because he is a leadoff hitter who can play multiple positions and get on base. So, him batting sixth and it's Gordon seventh, right? I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do when Gordon comes back. It'll okay. be interesting to see. So, I, yeah, I don't. They haven't committed to that. But okay, I was thinking. I, I thought but I yeah, saw it's, Gordon sixth, but yeah. yeah, but it's still there. There's half of his appeal is because he gets on base and he's saber love that way. So, I, I don't know. He needs to be first. There's just no question about it. Uh, I mean, do you think it was too high a price to pay then? Or yeah, yeah, I would have. Like I said, I'd rather play Almonte. Um, I, I someone threw out Kelvin Herrera, which I don't know where that came from. I thought I, uh, maybe that was off you know, out of nowhere. I would have been fine with Herrera. Um, I know Scott Blewett's name was mentioned at one point as a, as a rumor. Yeah, yeah. And if it would have been Blewett and Brooks, oh, yeah, I would have yeah, cruised. Yeah. That's that's a pretty easy call. To the end there. And even Almonte, I, you know, I would have cruised into that. Or Foster Griffin, Dozier. And I. the question I always kind of came back to, and I think we, you and I briefly touched upon in the comments, is the, you know, Daniel Robertson against um, J, uh, John Jaso and um, Boo Powell. I mean, right. Do we think- so, so he was traded last winter yeah. along with Yunel Escobar from Tampa Bay to Oakland in exchange for Daniel Robertson, who I think is, is – he was a shortstop who was in the top 100 last year but kind of at the lower end. Yeah. And then John Jason, who is a major league catcher, gets on base a lot. And Boog Powell, who I don't know a ton about. He's an outfielder, not the former Orioles outfielder, but he's a young prospect. Who, yeah. Uh, I don't know a lot about him. I think he's supposed to be a decent, decent-ish prospect but not a, not a top prospect. So – 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it would be interesting to compare those two. I, I I tend to think this is probably not as good of a deal as that. Just, but I don't know a lot about Robertson and Powell. So it's yeah, Robertson uh, Robertson was the guy he kind of might not stick it. Probably isn't going to stick it short. Might may or not. Kind of a he's kind of Corey Seager light, which is still great. And Robertson has absolutely shot up. He's now solidly in the top fifty prospects in baseball there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Boog Powell's. He's he's a throw in, but of course you've got John Jason, who's a major league catcher with you know good seasons behind his belt in the major league. So it's a different value. I, I can see that package now that Robertson, you know, in retrospect, Robertson's a much better prospect than he was at the trade. Um, yeah, it, it it all kind of comes around to say that Oakland got their basically got their money back uh, right. with with Zobris compared to who they traded away there, which. Big surprise. We all know who Billy Bean is. I mean, it's really hard to expect this guy to to not uh, um, you know, make good trades. And I want to just say that this now validates my opinion that he targeted Sean Mania because, you know, if Billy Bean likes this guy, he's got to be good. It's almost – it's uncanny, this guy's, you know, ability. So just yeah. trust me. Sean Mania is going to be really good. Write it down. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> well, he should, you know, pitching in Oakland is going to help him a lot. Yeah, and, sure, uh, sure. And, you know, there was a – Zobrist was a pretty coveted guy at the deadline. I know the Mets at one point were pretty aggressively pursuing him. The Cubs and the Nationals, I think, were also interested. So there there probably was a pretty good bidding war for him. And the Royals, were, I think, the whole time were said to be one of the most aggressive suitors. So, yeah. uh, you know, I, yeah, if, if you know, Sham and I may have been what it took to get him yeah. to, to – to get Ben Zobers to Kansas City, so right, um, yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if Billy Bean, you know, he must have targeted. Him. Obviously, that was the best package he got um, out of any of the teams. So. Yeah, and you wonder. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of wonder if it's uh, if maybe they started with Scott Blewett and Aaron Brooks right. or uh, you know Christian Benford, and then they you know the Yankees came in and said, no, we'll give you you know Aaron Judge or maybe not Aaron Judge, but we'll give you somebody. And he's off limits even for Cole Hamels. Yeah, said, yeah. So, so but I know the Mets. The Mets were uh, yeah. reportedly offering Rafael Montero. Yeah, yeah. He's a former top 100 guy, but kind of didn't. He was okay in his major league debut last year, and has kind of and he's been hurt for most of this year. So yeah. I, I don't know how that comparison. I mean, I seems like a higher upside guy because I think Montero is yeah. only 25 years old now. So, uh, you know. There are some. There are probably some good deals out there that they could have made, but the Royals had to top those to get Zobrist for sure. Yeah, and it was pretty nice having Andy McCullough of uh, the Star there saying that the whole injured guy, you know, whoever failed the medical, I, I that wasn't actually ended up being true, right? Well, see, I, they say the Royals say it wasn't true, so I guess okay. Explain the, the Reds and the Reds Cueto deal. Uh, there was a report, you know, Twitter report, unsubstantiated. You know, we don't know if it's true or not. That one of the player, the holdup was one of the players the Royals were going to send was uh, did not clear medical or did not the, the Reds were concerned about his medical. Yeah. So that held up the deal. And my my theory, and I don't have anything to go off of, is that it was Manaya and that Finnegan replaced him. That's my theory. I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. Yeah. Uh, but um, and then the Royals came out and said that's not true. Now that may, maybe the Royals are right, but they also have an incentive to say that it's not true because they don't want people to think. That they have an injured prospect out there when they're trying to acquire Ben Zobrist or whoever else they're trying to acquire. So I don't, I don't know who to believe. You know, it's not ultimately it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, I don't think the Royals have some major. I saw some people on Twitter freaking out. Oh my gosh, I can't believe the Royals tried to trade a guy that was hurt. It's like, well, I think they probably knew. It's just the Reds probably took a look and said, oh, we're a little concerned about this yeah. tendon or whatever. So, so what's the uh, 
which one do you like? But assuming all moves are basically done for the Royals, which one do you like more, Cueto or, or the Zobers trade? Oh, I think the Cueto. And I'm a huge Ben Zobers fan, but yeah. I think the Cueto deal. I mean, he's a he's one of the top six, seven pitchers in baseball the last three years. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a true. I mean, we talked about James Shields being an ace, and he, he was probably more of a number two. Johnny Cueto is a true, true ace, a guy that we haven't had since Zach Greinke in his prime. So, yeah, that's a that's a needle pusher. Ben Zobrist, I think, like I said, because the margins are so small, you need a guy like that. But Cueto, and I'm I'm a lot more comfortable with the package they gave up for Cueto than yeah, I am that's with Sean Manaya. Because Manaya is the higher upside guy, but I think uh, um, you know the three guys they got for Cueto are are all good prospects, but they're not. I don't think any of them are going to be ace pitchers. Yeah, we saw. Yeah, I think and I'm agreeing. It's on both ends. Cueto's better. I, I think Cueto's a he has the better, the higher impact in the playoffs and through the rest of the season because he's going to be you know pitching a very large portion of you know these five spots are going to go to Cueto. Really four in the playoffs, and then um, they didn't give up as much in my opinion. Uh, you know, some people really like Cody Reed. Some people really like John Lamb, but Finnegan was the kind of main piece in that, even though. Cody Reed might be the best piece in the end, but yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, man, I mean, they're pretty good luck to be in the playoffs. Now they've got Cueto and Zobrist. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of hard to you know to complain about anything necessarily there. I've had a smile on my face all day, my friend. Yeah. So <laughs> it's yeah. a good time to be a Royals fan for sure. Well, excellent. Well, good, um, Max. It's been a while since we had one. Uh, very glad we finally did one here. I'm sure we'll have one coming. Probably not within a week or so necessarily but you know here coming up eventually here maybe we will have something to recap all the moves kind of around baseball especially the Royals uh, any final parting thoughts there? I think we gave the people their money's worth yes. in the uh, podcast today <laughs> that's right. a lot to, lot to take in but uh, yeah no yeah. it's been a fun time uh, fun time on the site just hearing everyone's opinions I, I'm kind of glad there's a little bit of uh, you know some people are a little you know worried about you know the future of the franchise, trading all these minor leaguers. And I, I'm glad we have that kind of that that uh, you know the the, the voice of, of reason. I guess I don't know if the voice of reason, but you know the, someone to, to tell us, hey, maybe this isn't the best idea in the world. So because yeah. I'm I'm just thrilled as a fan right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, and, uh, and then even objectively, trying to look at this objectively, I think the Royals are making the right moves here, and and certainly the national media, the the even the sabermetric media, seem to agree that the Royals are, are doing. Uh, some some really good moves here. So yeah, did you ever think we'd we'd be here in the podcast just singing Dayton Moore's praises? <laughs> yeah, gosh, you know, two years ago when they traded Myers, man, everybody was done with yeah. Dayton, and I know everybody wants to say, no, I had faith in Dayton. No, you didn't. I'm sorry, you, you probably <laughs> not on our side at least. I'm sure there were other fans. Yeah, Facebook. but it anyways, and I'm don't mean to get off a tangent on that, but yeah, I'm very happy where we're at and. Also, I noticed we've got a lot of new fans. Well, maybe not a lot, but we do have some new names coming on, which we're very welcome to have. Thank you very much for joining and commenting on this with us. We love you know, having you guys on the site, all the new people, and first-time listeners as well. There's five other of these, pod- maybe six other ones of this, so feel free to go listen on that. Um, and hear how wrong we were about the preseason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. What did yeah. I say about uh, Kendrick Morales again? Yeah, right. Uh, so good. All right. Well, uh, you can follow Max. We'll say one more time. He's on uh, Twitter at M A X Max Reaper M A X R I E P E R. That's correct. I am Sean Newkirk. Uh, I can also be followed on Twitter at S H A U N C O R E. Max, let's go get him. All right, Royals just won, so everything's good. Yep. All right. Have a good evening, everybody.
Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.